0: I heard you click. Territorial, okay. Territorial, territorial pissings is my five. And then what's breed?
1: Breed is my four. <laughs> you're such a f- <laughs> you're a peepee. You're peepee. I don't but know hey, Drainy's in for. there, right? Drainy's in there. God, you're so predict- predictable and pathetic. That's what you are. Yeah, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, predictable and pathetic. You're you're one dimensional. You're you're a fucking. You're a piece of paper instead of like a why cube. though. But why?
0: This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different album, and we break it down musically, lyrically. And uh, and usually it's a wild ride. So uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, my name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Uh, go to all the social media. We're at Asinine Radio on Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere anywhere that any social media platform, that's what we're on. Um, oh, dude, this, this intro
1: sucks. I don't. know. I, I think. I think. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I think all of your intros are, are overall boring. <laughs> it's just too much information. Uh, you gotta just whittle it I down know, to. You. Don't I be know. a fucking dickhead. I, it, Give us five stars. I notice some of you fucking knuckleheads out there giving not five stars. Like fuck off then if you're not gonna do it. Who cares? Just don't listen again, shitface. And then also just join the Discord. Cause that's where we argue the most. Is on Discord. That's it. That's all yeah. I need to say. That's it. That's all I need to say. That's all I need to say. So then, uh, what the, what are we doing today, Jeff? Never mind. By Nirvana.
0: Nirvana formed in 1987 in Aberdeen, Washington by Kurt Cobain, Chris Novoselic, and Aaron Burkhardt. They put out three full-length records, five live albums, two EPs, four compilations, three box sets, and and are one of the most popular bands of all time. But the album we're doing today is Nevermind. It's the band's second album, and it was released September 24th. September 24th? What is wrong with me? 1991. (laughs) The album features Kurt Cobain on guitar and vocals, Dave Grohl on drums, and Chris Novoselic on bass. The album has sold well over thirty million copies worldwide, and is uh, some might say is the most influential record of all time. So uh, yeah. Uh, all right, Jeff. What is your origin story with the Nirvanas?
1: Go. Just MTV growing up. I mean, it smells like Teen Spirit was was everywhere. Still is everywhere. And K Rock, yeah. like especially, do K Rock plays so. I don't know if they still do. They probably do, but damn, they played so much Nirvana all the time. Every every personality, whether it was it was Striker, or Cat Corbett, or Rodney, anybody, everybody yeah. played fucking Nirvana. The beginning of the shift and the end of the shift played Nirvana. Something in the middle, they played Deep Cuts of Nirvana. So it's just like Nirvana just that's like seeing what's your origin story with like fucking zeppelin or something you know what i mean it's just it just it was just there it was there just before there, i even yeah. knew it it's i don't have like an origin story it's just i've heard nirvana always as far back okay. as i can remember all right
0: all right my uh my origin yeah i guess my origin story is the same um hearing them on on local k-rock on the local radio k-rock mtv as well um and you know the last maybe ten fifteen years, it's funny because they they don't play Teen Spirit that much. They mainly play In Bloom, Come As God Damn the fucking cat. They they mainly play In Bloom, Come As You Are, and uh, Shaped Box. Weirdly enough, but they don't play Teen Spirit that often. But uh, but yeah, no, that's my origin story. It's it's the same as you. But it wasn't until like seventh grade, It wasn't until middle school, where I really just kind of it just something clicked with me, and I was. I was fucking obsessed with Nirvana, and in every way, and I still love this band to death. But we'll get into that more. But no, that, that that's that's really my origin story. Um, so I guess let's jump into Nevermind. Uh, let's give our initial thoughts on this record, their second record, like I said, uh, and then we'll we'll go from there. We'll talk about Teen Spirit first since we already played it. But uh, what are your what are your initial thoughts on Nevermind? Go.
1: I uh I've always I've always kind of held this to be just this. This kind of like sellout pop record that was just kind of dumb. That was like way, way too produced, and and didn't capture the essence of Nirvana very well because In Utero is so vastly different, and Bleach is so vastly different. But uh, no, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think now, I think just the opposite. After again reading so many things that Kurt liked the outcome of this record, he liked the way it sounded. he liked everything about it, even though Butch Vig had to kind of like lie to him in certain spots about dubbing guitars and, and vocals and tracks and things like that but still the yeah. outcome kurt loved this record until he didn't until it became popular until it blew up until it made him a millionaire then he didn't like it whatever don't care he's the artist he can do whatever the fuck he wants with this music but as 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 it came out he liked it and that's that's all i really have to go off of because it is a great record and it's not just like a great record it's because i don't know Zeppelin 3 is a great record. House of the Holy is a great record. This mm-hmm. is a uh, this is something that truly did like change the scope of music. This change th- th- smells like Teen changed Spirit culture. alone changed the scope of music forever. Things mm-hmm. were never different after that. Like again, like Zeppelin 3 is a great record. Zeppelin One is a great record. Like these these didn't change like the scope of music though. The way this did it just didn't. Yeah. Van Halen One great record, perfect record. Didn't change the scope of music it's it's unbelievable how influential nevermind was is and probably will forever be and to think that that kurt didn't like it when it came out is stupid because he loved it i'm just repeating myself at this point i guess but uh, <laughs> i don't know i i think this is this is what music needed this is what music needed it's 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 not winky it's it's the death to the hair metal it's not self indulgent sexist gropey rock stars but mm-hmm. it's still really 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 pop where you're now focusing on melodies and even kurt says he didn't give a shit about the lyrics and a lot of lyrics like who gives a fuck about i really didn't read that much into the lyrics because i felt that would have been really good uh, the uh, homage to kurt to not read into the lyrics at all so i actually yeah. only, I, I only read into one of the lyrics and then everything else i purposely did not look into them at all
0: i i think people uh People really put this band on a pedestal and lyric wise because, yeah, I, I agree with you. And he said, too, the, the lyrics are completely secondary. Um, and he said, most of the people are wrong when they try to interpret it. And then you go on to, on to all these websites and, like, this is what the song about. This is what this word means. This is what this line means. It's like, dude, there's no way Kurt Cobain put that much time and effort into these songs especially when you look at how quickly they made all these records how quickly they wrote all these songs you know with with just we're talking about Nevermind right now he wouldn't write the lyrics until he recorded the song you know he would write them then and there like there a lot of the shit wasn't very deep in utero is a little bit different because when we broke that broke down that record i feel like he put that was the only time he ever put effort into the lyrics was on that record because there's some really cool stuff on there but reading all the stuff on nevermind and then you know seeing how this and bleach were made there's no fucking way he didn't have the time the money really i just don't think he gave a sh- he gave a shit that wasn't that wasn't his intention his intention was to write good pop songs songs that he liked to listen to that's all it was and that's why that's why bleach sounds like the melvins a little bit because he wanted to he wanted to sound like the melvins
1: but so, like Bleach doesn't sound like the Melvins. Bleach I mean, sounds it, it, like a band, like a bunch of kids, because they're born in the late '60s. So really, they grew up in the mid to late '80s. Like that was their formative musical years. Was that era of music, mm-hmm. or uh, '70s? I mean, so like that was like the real formative of years. So they're seeing these bands that came out in the early '70s kind of get into their later lifestyles, where they're already bigger than life. Zeppelin's already massive. They're already huge. And so then he really Mm -hmm. saw the transition of music in the eighties and that's what like pissed him off because we now went from this like bigger than life, like rock star persona, this, this, you know, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page thing where they are really, really talented at what they do, but they're kind of douchebags and they probably treat women like shit. But now we're getting to like Motley Crue who they're not really that great at what they do. They treat women (laughs) even worse and they're even more like machismo and and horrible. And so he's singing this, like this transition in music and so he says, "I like what is happening here. I like the rock star persona. I like the bigger than life attitude. But why is it? Why, like, why can't everybody enjoy this? Like, why can't everybody enjoy Motley Crue? Why can't women come to these shows? Even though they did in the droves. I don't know why mm-hmm. anybody went to those Motley Crue shows, to be honest. But now Kurt is, is, is <laughs> thinking thinking in his mind where he thinks he's Why can not 'Why can't Why can't I do this but make it for everybody? And that's why like smells like Teen Spirit is one of the." it's not it's my like 7B i think i listed it as okay 9B smells like teen spirit is my 9B it's my it's my 6B my 6B yeah. but like smells like teen spirit is like a top 5 song of all time easy
0: yeah you, you can't argue it and, and what i love time. what what makes this song so great as well i mean it was it was the death nail to 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 uh hair metal and and all that 80s 80s metal stuff and what i love about it is how simple it is it's four power chords. That's it, and it's not like this like crazy strumming pattern. It's a very simple, straightforward thing that he does, and that's all he plays through the whole song, really. Is that is that one riff minus like you know the the pre-chorus, but otherwise you know it's the same fucking riff the entire fucking song. The simplicity of it is is unreal, and how this song blew up. I think people were just so. I think what it was was so people were so tired of the indulgence of of music like everything was just so you know drugs sex it was just larger than life and everything like that but this is like this is just sad like just sad music you know what i mean it's heavier it's people just wanted something the antithesis of 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 hair metal the antithesis of big they just wanted
1: simple and and this just really struck a chord with everyone and the 80s was was a time of of like record companies these record labels like they they really made out in the 80s and for sure in yeah. the 90s but like the 80s is kind of like where we start to see these pop acts like Madonna Michael Jackson Whitney Houston mm-hmm. these massive pop acts are just bringing in raking in millions per year for these record labels and i didn't read too much into how much they made the artists themselves but like it is it is Almost like common knowledge how much money record labels made in the 80s. That that is where they got their foothold. That is why the 90s sucked so bad for artists, was because of the 80s. was because these Mm -hmm. record labels took all of the money from these artists and all of the royalties and all of their rights. And so Smells Like Teen Spirit comes out, and it is like this anthem. This anthem for like, man, I'm fucking tired of all of this shit. I'm tired of the 80s synth-driven stuff. I'm tired of the overproduction quality of the 80s. I'm tired of all of these things that just is not rock music. And smells like Teen Spirit. The fucking name alone is a complete mistake, right? Just a a, a, a poor yeah. choice of words. That 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 like the subjectivity of alone. Right? Smells like Teen Spirit. Kurt smells like Teen Spirit. That's the lore that happened. Where <laughs> where the, yeah. the, the the his girlfriend Toby wrote something Toby, down. T- yeah. Teen Spirit is is a, a deodorant for for kids or something. And she wrote this mm-hmm. joke as it says that Kurt smelled like teen spirit and the subjectivity of that alone. Like that's a perfect example of how inspiration comes in so many different forms and is so incredibly subjected. If if that was never even written, if that stupid little joke was never even written, like who knows what could have happened. Right. Like who knows the tra- trajectory of Nirvana? They could have made another bleach, but they wrote smells like teen spirit because Kurt thought like, oh, that's a really cool like teenage anthem for for all the angst that I've been experiencing throughout the 80s. I want everyone yeah. to feel what I feel now. So here we go with this this teen anthem. That doesn't fucking mean a goddamn thing. Yeah, it just it's, sounds such a, cool. it's such a
0: throw the, the title is such a throwaway line. And he doesn't even say th- he, those
1: words he never even says in the song. <laughs> no, it's so good. <laughs> it's I so fucking it, throwaway. Yeah. I love that title. Smells like teen spirit. That is so <laughs> fucking cool. And then
0: and like you said, people just grasped grasped that concept and that. That title and just made it the song of a ge- really uh, the song of ge- of Gen X
1: for sure. I mean, this
0: is arguably the biggest song to come out of the '90s, right? I mean,
1: there's no song that's bigger than this. I, I don't, no, I don't think so. And even when I say like this is the top five song of all time, like that's a, that's a no brainer. You could make a case for like a top three song of all time. You really, really yeah. could. This is just in it, just in how it in, how it
0: impacted. Like you said, it impa- it impacted the music scene, but also culture, because it it think of the stylistic change, you know, in fashion, in what people are talking about. Everything everything in, in American society. Well, not every I mean, I, I was very we were very young, but it seems like everything changed drastically after, you know, hair metal died. People started to it's almost like people started to become more mature and started to become more conscious of what was going on in, in life, in their own lives and other people's lives it wasn't think, so just surface level
1: i think like like politics and i guess like what do you call it like social like popness like fashion music movies i think thing those things kind of like go opposites cuz the 80s was a very conservative time right reagan dominated the 80s and mm-hmm. so we're getting a lot of a lot of really like high tax cuts for the rich the whole trickle down economic thing the reaganomics so we're getting yeah. a very very conservative america which kind of bred like the opposite for like the hair metal stuff the hair metal stuff was very aggressively sexual which is not conservative in any way and
2: yeah. so I
1: think those two things kind of go hand in hand now with the 90s just coming along I think Reagan stopped being president in the 89 or 88 or something late 80s and 88. so now and then, and then it became like uh, uh, democratic it became more liberal but then the music still was kind of like holding on to that that rock star persona but like we still want rock music. We still need rock music because we love rock music. America loves rock music. The world loves rock music. But where do we mm-hmm. go? Where do we go from the rock music that we absolutely hated in the 80s and people still hate it? People that people think they like the 80s rock music. They don't. They're, they're, they're full yeah, of themselves. Nobody. They're lying. Yeah. They, they don't like it. So like, where do we go from there? And the grunge scene was exploding. right? Soundgarden was already doing stuff. A lot of these bands were already doing stuff. But they're not getting mainstream success. They're not selling a million copies the first couple months the record's dropping. They're making a living for themselves, but they're not. They're not making mainstream success. Mm-hmm. And then like, nevermind drops. Nevermind drops. And 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 they thought that maybe they would sell half a million copies within the first year. And we're talking they're selling like a hundred thousand copies a week. Yeah, and then, I know. Uh, Isn't that fucking Two hundred thousand copies a week. And then before they could even release like a single before they could even release any like music videos or anything, they're selling so many copies and they just don't, they can't even keep up with it. It, it, It's it fucking, it's absolutely bonkers. I never realized how fast this took off and it took off because the people that were buying (laughs) this album, right? Maybe 14 years to, to 22, 23, not quite 25. That's too old. But I think that Mm -hmm. that's like the sweet spot. And those are the kids that are fucking sick and tired of that 80s shit. Just sick of it.
0: Yeah, and they wanted their own identity. That's what it was because it was still like you know, I, it was still the boomers. You know, the boomers were still living off the the seventies and then kind of into the eighties as well. And then I think generation the Gen X were just so disenfranchised, like they didn't know what to do. They were that's why people have always said they've been like they're like this like lethargic generation. They were so lost, and I feel like this is the first man to come along that made them feel something that made them feel good and different and separated them from their parents or separated them from from anybody older older than
1: them and I, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It, it it paved it also paved the way for other musicians to make a living, supposedly, even though the record labels took most of their money. But it, it created the illusion, I guess, of musicians being able to make a living even if you're not like a larger than Live Zeppelin or KISS or or Motley Crue or poison, any of these other bigger humongous bands, you could still make a fucking living. You could still be the Goo, Goo dolls, even though they sold yeah. millions of copies, but you could still like make a really good living doing this. You could still be a Harvey Danger, even a Marcy Playground, and still make <laughs> a pretty good living. Dude, I just I, I love I really I honestly I love this title. Smells like Teen Spirit is is like one of the coolest song names of all time. It's so cool. It is. It's it so is, it? it's so perfect. It's so perfect. And it's, like, complete mistaken identity, misdirected. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it should have never existed had it not been for that one little stupid joke. Talk about, like, the butterfly effect, right? With Ashton Kutcher. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. But, like, the butterfly <laughs> effect effect, effect <laughs> where effect, effect. If, you, if, if you're living under a fucking rock and you know what the butterfly effect is. But, like, a butterfly flaps its wings in Japan or something and causes a tsunami millions of miles, millions of miles, but hundreds of miles away on a different coast. Like, just, you know, cause and effect type of thing. Like that one little instance causes cultural phenomenon, this, this historic event in music. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. cool.
0: Oh, and what I was going to say is the label originally wanted Lithium to be the first single and or like the first proper single. So they released this song to radio and everything like, and everything like that. But then it, it blew up so quickly that they didn't even, didn't even have a chance to throw out Lithium first as, as, a, as a lead single. <laughs> so I thought that's crazy, like how quickly this blew up to where the label couldn't keep up but mind you they were under the label that they were on was dgc which is technically a a major label but it wasn't like it wasn't sony it wasn't you know the big ones you know so i don't know it's just i think that's super cool too that this the label was smaller that they blew up on it wasn't a, a huge what's a big label of the time atlantic Atlantic yeah you know what I mean it's like it was a fairly small major yeah. label that that blew them up and that probably pissed the fuck
1: off all the other the other big labels you just you're struggling here on your favorite band of I'm all really, time struggling I'm really
0: here? I'm really struggling right
1: now Whew. god damn it smells like teen spirit this is my 9b <sighs> it's it sits that low for me it's just
0: I I get it I get it because it is so popular right that's why it's so low for me, too. I, I've heard this song a thousand fucking times. I think because it's not that great of a
1: song. I I, I think it's just because it's... it's it is, it's, 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 No, it's not. There's there's other songs on this album that are better, that are much better. It's just not that sure. great of a song. I think I think when he hits those those two those, notes, I don't really like those mm-hmm. two notes at all that much. I, I think it's but like... But what could a, you a, put there? Just that's, nothing? That's exactly, exactly. It's like, I don't know what else to do here, but I feel like we should do something, so let's just... I'm going to do this. And I think all together, this song is is just fucking dope. But if you take out Dave Grohl's like intro drum part, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Would this song even like be as great? Because that's the only reason why anybody listens to this song anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a combination of the the
0: opening riff with just the clean guitar playing that riff, and then Dave coming in, and then it just it's the full band the full band <laughs> thing. It's the <laughs> the quiet loud dynamic that. When they were writing this song, they were Kurt was kind of worried. You know, we're kind of ripping off the Pixies. I feel like we're ripping off the Pixies a little bit because that's kind of what they're known for is that that dynamic thing of the soft and hard. And um, and they were kind of criticized for that for kind of ripping off the Pixies, but they just did it so goddamn well. And and Teen Spirit was a great example of it, the soft and hard.
1: I mean, the song but. does rock. It's it's very like the Nirvana right, loud, quiet, loud, quiet thing that they got going on. And yeah. it's, it's fine I do wonder why Chris doesn't have a better bass part for this one and I wonder if that was like a I was, I was trying to read anything about it but I didn't find anything because the dude knows how to write like pretty cool little licks he can, he can do little flourishes and little slides and he can do cool shit from time to time yeah. but in this one it's just a just that four notes and I wonder if like Butch Vig is the one that tried to tell him to like tone it down to just groove because that's what like a pop song is it could have been I'd like to really hear a, a bit more explanation on that one. We've yeah, heard I've him been. do like like crazy shit before and in very small amounts of times on different songs and on this album. Yeah, that's true. He has some great fucking moments on this record, which we'll get into.
0: We're not even into like our, our biggest bangers yet. Yeah. But I, but real quick, before we move on to the lyrics and then out of this song, um, the chorus, man, that chorus hits so fucking hard. It does. With <laughs> the main guitar riff comes in and then the first line, with the lights out, it's less dangerous. The way that Kurt sings that is it's is truly iconic. I think that is just as popular, if not more popular, than the main riff itself.
1: I, I think the two lines, here we are now, entertain us after that, is also just like...
0: Yeah, that one's, like, I mean, that's iconic too. It's
1: just like, like this, oh dude, it's iconic because it's it's iconic now, right? But like when it came out, hearing this for the first time, I don't know, I'd my pennies probably fucking drop if I heard this for the first time in the early, early 90s. I remember the way I remember exactly where I was at when
0: when it this song clicked for me. I I was I was sitting in my room listening to K Rock and that riff came on and I don't remember ever hearing that riff before and that came on and I I just had that you know that feeling like of something you've never heard in your entire life, something that's so different and so unique. That was that was me when I heard this song in seventh grade and I immediately asked my dad to take me to Best Buy to get this record. And I bought Nevermind, (laughs) like the next day, just because of that
1: one riff. I remember being, I think I was 15 when I actually bought my first acoustic guitar and it wasn't given, but I was at Mm -hmm. Sam Goody in Cerritos and I had asked my mom to take me, but she made me go to church first. That was like the the (laughs) trade-off. I didn't drive at the time, so I had to go to church first. And then uh, we went to Sam Goody and I was trying out guitars and then uh, I picked one out and I was trying to play this riff. And the guy at Sam mm-hmm. Goody was like, That's really good, dude, but like like the, the, the pattern's wrong. And I said, What do you mean? Because I was like, Just doing like that thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, No, do you check it out? And he was really nice about it, too. He wasn't like yelling at me or nothing. He was like, Check it out. And then show me how to actually do the thing. And that was like the first time I ever learned Chicka Chickas, actually. I don't know think Was this song. And then like the guy who worked at Sam Goody, which I don't think Sam Goody's even a fucking store anymore. I don't think so. Sam Sam Ash, I remember that one in Cerritos. It was Sam Ash. Sam oh yeah, Ash. Sam Ash. I, I know Sam where you.
0: I know where it was in Cerritos. I remember yeah. that store. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sam Ash was was the uh, was the other Guitar Center. Sam yeah. Goody was like the other warehouse. Yes. yes. Um, but no, yeah. This is it, it's it's truly iconic. And and oh, another thing I wanted to mention about this song is I looked on Spotify. This has 1.5 billion streams just on <laughs> Spotify. So good. I mean, it's crazy. A song that came out in 1991 has that many hits on one streaming site. It's crazy cool. This, isn't, this is not one of the songs that they had demoed prior to going to... Because they recorded this record at Sound City in Van Nuys, California. Um, and they had done some demos with Butch Vig, who produced the record uh, at another studio. I believe it was in Wisconsin. I could be wrong, but it was in Wisconsin, I think. And But this Teen Spirit was not one of those, but Teen Spirit was a song that was written just like a week before they went into Sound, the iconic Sound City studio to record so this is like a last minute song that was written and also this is the only song on the record outside of the hidden track that gives songwriting credits to the whole band yeah. of of kurt chris and uh dave so i thought that was pretty cool too the whole story how you know he brought in the riff and then they kind of built around it i just it's so cool that their most iconic song it was a full band you know has a has has the full band as the songwriter so
1: Yeah, and I I I didn't feel I, I put this on pretty goddamn loud this week too, like pretty fucking I'm almost almost maxed out my speakers just this record. Actually, mm-hmm. all three, of the, all four of the records I listened to, and uh it is goofy and it is overplayed and it is kind of like childish and it is old and he, there's a lot of like negative things to say about it. But then you put it on, and it's like wow, man, this is a good fucking <laughs> song, dude. This is a good <laughs> fucking song. I'll tell you that I went it.
0: Oh, when when Kurt's guitar comes in, that that just that riff, man, the clean riff, it it gets me so pumped. It gets me so goddamn pumped. Um, another thing too, just real quick, Butch Vig has said that Kurt generally refused to to do more than like three or four vocal takes because he just wanted it to be done. He just thought fussing over it was just not worth it. It didn't give it like an organic feel or sound. So he Butch would have to um, to kind of trick him, saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I that recording got messed up. You got to do it again. It just it, it, it the tape the tape cut out or whatever. So he would trick Kurt into doing more vocal takes. It's called lying. <laughs> yeah, he would lie to Kurt to do it. Um, yeah. You know, on Teen Spirit, yeah. he uh, he only Kurt only did three vocal takes, and I think they ended up using the the second take as the master take, which I thought was was it's fucking cool, man. Just, just how kind of stripped down this record actually is, and then how enormous it is on a cultural level. Do we have anything else on this? Oh, we didn't touch on the lyrics. What do What do you have on the lyrics?
1: Because I don't, I don't, I don't care. I, I, I don't. I think, I think these lyrics. Again, I, there's only one song that I looked in the lyrics. Everything else, I just didn't care. I didn't care. I, I thought it was not in the the vein of Nirvana. Much like how Posty and them. Wore those uh, those moos during their performance. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought a good way to honor the tradition would be to not even fuck with the lyrics. Should I not even talk about them then? I honestly did. I there's only one song I looked into the lyrics just because I was curious. Okay, I mean we don't really have to touch. But you upon can them too much. if you if you did the work you can do well, it.
0: I, if you have anything I crazy did.
1: that you to say then do it
0: absolutely. I think I think people really overanalyze this band or overanalyze this record especially. I think. People claim that this song is about, um, it's like his commentary, ironic commentary on, you know, party culture and just culture in general. Um, just how everything is very, very superficial and surface level and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't get that at all. When I was reading the lyrics, I felt like this song is about using drugs to cope with his own insecurities and depression. And when you read every verse and pre-chorus and chorus just shows that it, it, it just shows how just how insecure as a, of a person that he was, and I think what other people have been saying is just stupid. I think uh, people are wrong. People are they really overanalyze this fucking record and this band? I, I will and say too,
1: I, like a lot of the lyrics when I was reading them, I I had fucking no idea what he was saying until I read <laughs> the lyrics.
0: There were two songs where I I just I couldn't figure out the lyrics. They were just like nonsensical. <laughs> So um
1: but I think what? I think he just does like a lot of opposites. I think he says I think he thinks when he writes lyrics, like this sounds good. What is like the opposite of this line that I could write? So like the sun comes up in the morning, then the next line would be like the moon goes down at night. Like those kind of opposite things. I think he likes to yeah. do those a lot. And then he likes to just rhyme cool shit together. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. A very like stream of consciousness poetic thing to do. I don't think mm-hmm. they really mean anything individually, but I think overall the song means something. And I think this is like his attempt at writing something for the masses. I think this is like you said, the pixie thing. I think this was him trying to write a pop song for the masses that people could rally behind that people could feel like inclusive about that people would love and dance to. And there's no fucking way. Like it's just, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to write something like this and then have it blow up <laughs> so fast, so massively. Yeah. I don't know i don't know 9b it though pretty good 9b
0: nice. all right it's my 6b all right so what is your uh what's your 1b
1: <laughs> your
0: biggest banger
1: <laughs> is it really in bloom no way i swear dude in bloom is my 1b oh my god <laughs> it's so good because of the drums the chicka chickas what this- is it it's it's insane like like there are songs that just instantly get me hyper like i just get hyperactive like my 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 high school me self comes out where i want to like jump off of shit and do dumb stuff comes out instantly in bloom is one of those songs it just it gets me so fucking hyper and this is a good example of a song that has a drum melody there's something here there's something to grab a hold of and it's memorable girl smacks those fucking toms so hard it's so great and then yeah. also, this is another example of how good of drummer Chad was, because Grohl says that he stayed very, very close to the beat that Chad had already worked out, that he already wrote out. Grohl's yeah. beat is very, very much like Chad. so I love Grohl's stuff, but that's also Chad's stuff, brother. So, goddamn, dude, again, Chad Channing, dumb name, great drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the, um,
0: the alternate video, the alternate version of this video?
1: Though were those the last ones you sent?
0: Uh, it was it was <clears throat> it was on the with the lights out uh, DVD. It was in that, but Nirvana on the Nirvana YouTube channel, it actually has the alternate version, and uh, and Chad Channing is on in that video, and it is the Chad Channing version of the song, and it is different. Um, but really, the difference like in the drumming between Chad and Dave's versions. They're pretty much identical outside of like a couple fills that Dave adds to it. Otherwise, it's the same song, drum wise. Um, except like you said, Dave fucking hits those drums so goddamn hard, and you really hear it. it. compared to the Chad's version and Dave's version, you can really, really hear the difference in that. And I think, but the overall song is 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 the same.
1: I, I was trying to watch like this other guy who was really pretentious and annoying about like like sound decay in the studio. And and when drummers are hitting things like light and getting a good pop off of it, you're getting like more of a decay or more of like a like a resonance. There's there's more there's more noise after the sticks are releasing from the drums as opposed to hitting it hard. Because When you're hitting it harder, the drums are staying on the drum head longer. Right. Yeah. Because you're hitting yeah. it harder. So there's not as much decay. So it is actually kind of crispier overall. Okay. But it doesn't sound as crispy because when you're hitting it lighter like that, you're getting that that pop right away, but then there's more decay afterwards. So when Grohl's doing it, he's hitting it really, really, really hard. There's not. It's just, it's just one full sound. It's yeah, just one yeah, thud, yeah. It's like a thud, thud I mean, versus like sense. a snap.
0: <laughs> it fucking makes sense, though. So good, it is so good. It, so you wait, you you oh, fuck. You didn't see that video. I was hoping you'd watch it. I think I sent I, I, it to you separately.
1: If you sent it to me, I watched it. I don't. I don't recall like explicitly. It was it, on it
0: but because so so the 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 not the official, but the the one that everybody the video that everybody knows, where you know they're kind of dressed properly and they're like in suits, and then they're playing like on a fake TV show and everything. Oh, the music video, yeah, the music video, yeah. Did you watch the alternate version one? Yeah, yeah. That that's that's the original version
1: of In Bloom
0: with Charles I honestly didn't
1: even because he has long hair and he's a little skinny white yeah, kid. He looks just like Dave Grohl. <laughs> no, he, it's not Dave Grohl at all. I didn't it's even not notice David that it wasn't all. Dave Grohl,
0: honestly. Yeah, no, that was Chad. That was Chad in the video.
1: But like the they're both la- skinny the kids at the video. time with long fucking black hair. Dude, they look that looked like Dave Grohl. But Chad's like a shorter guy. He doesn't look that he's like, sitting down like? how fucking tall they are when they're sitting down. They all look like they're two feet.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's the um yeah, I that's actually, the other I, video.
1: I like the alternate one more than I did the uh, the actual one. The actual one was just it ah. was too cheesy.
0: Oh, the video, not the song, right? Oh yeah,
1: the, the video. The song by one okay. beat.
0: yeah Uh, yeah, that's true okay so in bloom is my 8b that's silly so i i mean i love this song it's too poppy too overproduced what is it i fucking love this song what do you got
1: don't don't be dumb say something say
0: something i what okay so what what i outside of dave's drumming on this this song i love kurt's the way he sings the end of the verses leading into the um into the chorus is great because in the verses you hear this build-up you know he's singing like a the beginning of the verse is is he's singing in a lower tone, lower register, and then it, it gets higher and higher and higher, and it builds until the end of the verse, and then it goes the hey, and then he sing, he sings hey, and then Dave does that that drum roll, and then it's in this happy uplifting thing during the the chorus, and I just I love that build up, that transition between the two parts, the verse and the chorus. I think it's fucking awesome, and this is just outside of what Dave plays because I think Dave is the the best part
1: of this song, his drumming is the best part. It's that easily b- before the chorus, right? Like, like, like the like. This is one of the songs, and they do they have several songs on the album like this. But this is a song where, 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 uh, like the chorus is so different than the verse. Like it's so fucking different. Yeah. The verses are are almost like compared to the chorus, like almost like throwaway. They're just filler. They just they just kind of like swing a little bit, kind of zombie like back and forth and you get that mm-hmm. blast drum world that leads into the chorus and this chorus is so fucking catchy it's so it is. pretty I mean, It mean says it's it so in swingy the too it's so pretty yeah. it's so it's so beautiful and it's it's so sarcastic and douchey and gatekeepy and fucking nice an asshole for writing it's so good but who cares <laughs>
0: Oh man, you know this this song is is fantastic. I mean, Chris doesn't really shine too much on this one. We haven't gotten to the he's point got, where he's he... got
1: cool bass lines though. There's parts of this where I, I, he rides... he the... rides, dude, he hits those real, real high notes. He's going all the way up. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. This one's cool too because I was I was I was reading that Kurt Kurt used a a Mesa Boogie amp for the verses and then a Fender for the choruses, and I've made sense. Uses or used a, a Mesa Boogie for far long a long long time, and one day I would like to buy one for myself. But like the, those verses are very, like verby, but kind of very like, uh, like like that sublime kind of punk sound. That's what they sound yeah, like. It, they, they're I wouldn't say
0: chuggy, but they have more of a crunch. Yeah. The Mesa Boogies have more of a crunch, and then you get into the Fender, which is much airier, much lighter, and that's why you have. I mean, I maybe that's another reason why the the chorus is like that because it. it The tone, the
1: guitar tone, and everything
0: on top of the vocal melody. So sick! It's it's killer,
1: man. It's killer. Did you read and then listen to the Lil Nas X song that supposedly ripped this off? I did not. So apparently, like he wrote this song called Panini, (laughs) that 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 he came out with, and then the chorus in his song sounds kind of like this the chorus mm-hmm. here, the similar. Similar. <laughs> God, not dude, that even is so catchy. Not even like kind of close, but like it's pretty similar. And so everyone was like, oh fuck yeah, Lil Nas X covering Nirvana. And he's like, what? Like I'm not covering Nirvana. I just wrote a song. And so then does like, he know is, who Nirvana was? No. So what does he do? He actually gives credit to Cobain because he said he, he said it's close enough. I don't want to fuck with it. I'm going to give him credit and then Damn. listened to Nevermind and said he loved it and said that's the reason why he got into Nirvana. And I will say, Lil Nas X, as like a musician, just dumb fucking music, throw away yeah, music, terrible, I don't yeah. care. But the more I like read about him as a person, I love this kid. I think he's fucking cool. Everything I've I read, about, read him about him is always cool. I he's just always never, fucking, yeah, he's just always like defying shit and, and pissing people off and doing things that, that, that make everyone think like, why the fuck are you doing this? Because I fucking want to, that's why. <laughs> a little punker, but dumbass music, and the song sucked, dude. Don't listen to it. Yeah, what's the the country? What, what's, the, what's the country song that he did? O- the Old country hip hop song.
0: Yeah, dude, that song is garbage. Pure garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it pissed. <laughs> it pissed a lot of people off.
0: I did. Yeah, it, it, I. I love that it pissed off like the country, the pop country people because, you know, he's a hip hop guy. You know, they they don't they can't be in our our, you know. scene or anything like that i I just love how i do like that part of it but yeah that song is absolute garbage
1: (laughs) it's so bad
0: (laughs) all right um so we did talk about teen spirit already obviously um but we didn't touch upon that video which i don't really care to touch upon it and i only bring that up now because you know we've already we've talked about the in bloom video and um and i think out of all the videos from this um this album this is the best video
1: the alt or the regular one
0: both of them, actually, I, I think they're the right. best. The best videos. I, I think "Come as You Are" is just a lame. It's just like a too artsy fartsy kind of nineties <laughs> music video. Artsy. What are you like sixty <laughs> years old? <laughs> <laughs> and then Lithium is just like clips from their live performances. It's nothing special, really.
1: So, so I, I agree. I, I think I think like even though it's goofy and, and kind of sell out ish it does seem like they had a good time doing the uh, the In Bloom video, the real one. The yeah. alternate one, I, I think that's so fucking cool because it's very, like, Bleach era, very mm-hmm. 90s. It's so fucking 90s, and it's just goofy. And, and, like, you see Kurt's face, like, right in the middle a lot, and he's smiling and kind of grinning and goofing off and, like, oh, man, that's cool. Like, you guys And the weird, fun. like,
0: video effects, too, like the the filters on the video. Yeah, just just so, so, it's, it's so time.
1: dumb, dude. Just so yeah. dated. Yep. But I will say that the video for Smell Like Teen Spirit if that song was just any other song, if that song was fucking like Lithium, like who gives a shit about that video? But because it smells like Teen Spirit, that's just my god, that's an iconic video. Yeah, and it, because it's, it's of the, the song sweater, name.
0: it's the sweater, it's the guitar, the, the Jaguar guitar, yeah, Fender guitar, um, it's just everything. And then Chris Novoselic with he's tall, he's like six five, six six. He has the the bass is down to his fucking knees. And he you plays know, like so everything
1: obnoxiously low. It's irritating. <laughs> yeah. Tim and then Armstrong's Dave Roll you,
0: you can't even see him Because his hair is so long That it just covers His entire face
1: That's funny too But in Bloom Because Chris cut his hair For the video for in Bloom And then liked mm-hmm. it And then kept it For like For a very long time I think That's till, true to yeah, day. Even
0: on Even on in utero he, he didn't have very long hair But then he went He's bald Like so he doesn't Really have hair anymore But But yeah that's true huh
1: Okay Even B cut his hair too Here we go but, What's your 1B Let's hear it <sighs> Wait, oh, oh, nameless, we're, we're not going to do
0: anything lyrically sure, on in bloom right because right. we just kind of don't care
1: i mean it, it's more so about like what the what the song is about as a whole as opposed to like like uh, the individual parts and this one pokes fun at like jocks and people who weren't a part of the scene until they got popular like this is like mm-hmm. their gatekeeping song really but this was in an okay. era when when people were a lot more mean actually they're pretty fucking mean now but at least like back in the nineties, people were mean to your face, not like online they are now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true too. See I
0: for In Bloom I, I got this I feel like he's criticizing like hillbilly people and and really culture in general and how kind of simplistic and animalistic people are. Um uh like in the I think it's in the chorus I'm looking at it real quick. Uh where is uh, When he likes to shoot his gun? Yeah, when he likes to, to shoot, shoot his gun, his like
1: gun. so. I, I so think like he wrote this in, song in, in to- the
0: second verse. It, he, in the second verse, he says, "We can have some more. Nature is a whore. Bruises on the fruit, tender age and bloom." I feel like it's like he he's he's criticizing like the Midwest and like how people all they care about is just uh, not fucking girl, young girls, but it's just like it's it's very much like uh like you know you get married young, you have kids young, you. You just there's no there's no real culture. The culture is just like animalistic. It's not there's no art. There's no anything like that. Like nobody really has like a like a personality. And I feel like that's kind of what he's talking about in the song. If that makes any fucking sense. I'll
1: i just this I I I cannot fucking believe this is so low on your banger list. It's so stupid. It's not though. It's it's so not low. Stupid. It's oh. my eight B. This it's is my eight B. This is this is to you. This is a worse song than smells like Teen Spirit, and you hate Teen Spirit. <laughs> I love Teen Spirit. I Weird. love
0: every song. I I don't every song on this record is a banger.
1: Oh, so this is a perfect record. Like I said earlier, well, and you pretend like it wasn't. So I don't know about that.
0: We don't know yet. But uh, my my the biggest banger on this record is Lounge Act. Right now, for me, it's oh, Lounge Act. That's my one. Why beat. do
1: you have to be like this person who? Has to go against the grain for the purpose of just going against the grain. I don't like. Why I do you got to still I... wear your AFI t-shirts and, and your your Tiger Army shirts and things? Like why? Just it's fine. <laughs> it's
0: okay. Where does this Where does this sit as a banger for you?
1: It's eleven B. Why though? Why do so, you hate this f- one? So, so much? first of all first of all, this is I thought this was funny, but Kurt sounds older in the be- in the beginning of this song. It just sounds older yeah. the way he sings. It's like, dude, who's singing this? Is this Kurt? No way. It's like a 35 year old man.
0: He does sing in like a lower a lower register on this one.
1: But I think this song is I think this song is great. I really do. There's a lot of really cool like psych rock stuff going on. Chris's bass line, very fucking psych rock, dude. Fucking dope. Love it. And then Kurt's like screaming vocals. Super great. They're amazing. But like one thing that really bothered me about this whole record, why even add that little production fade at the end of the song? That really bothered me.
0: <laughs> why though?
1: Because it just it's so unnecessary. That's just like that's literally overstepping your your boundaries as a producer. That's just saying, "I'm going to do this because I think it's good." I don't give a fuck what the band thinks. I think this is good, I'm the producer, I'm gonna do what I want. And that really really bothered me. The very end. It's it's very. It's a very like swell. Like talking about like that organ shit you fucking gobble up from Enema era. Ugh. I love it. Why you do it, dude? All all he's doing is like
0: turning. No, your role. He's just turning like the volume down. It's nothing crazy. No,
1: your role. Stay in your lane. It's not your. It's not your fucking Uh. band, butch. Boots. So what?
0: One thing I I love so much about this song is kind of how lazy Kurt is. How lazy he sounds in the verses. And then it just kind of builds and builds and builds. And then it comes back into, um, what is it? I think it comes back into the verse and he's like screams it. Or he comes yeah. back into one of the choruses and he just like screams it. And you're like, whoa. Like you don't expect it because you've just, there, there's, uh, it's not really a buildup. It's just, it's kind of a jarring thing that he does.
1: Because you and hear he one thing and then all scream. of a sudden he goes, scream. Because what? He has a good scream. It, it It's not a scream like in the sense of like Chester scream yeah like that's a good fucking scream kurt screams like like somebody who's just frustrated and they don't know what else to say so they just scream because they're so fucking frustrated and that's the type of scream kurt had and that's that's cool because we don't you don't hear that that's that's an emotional scream yeah and i love that
0: i i love it so much and it it really just shows like chester yeah you bring it up chester he is a great singer a great screamer but it it sounds forced it doesn't sound like it's uh It's just placed there because it's supposed to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Kurt, yeah, Kurt, and then you know Jonathan Davis from Corn. I know you're probably going to disagree with me on this, but they didn't scream just for the sake of it. They, it was placed there for a reason because whether it's the lyrics or the music or something, it it's it's appropriate. It sounds natural. It sounds normal. But uh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Are you ready? Well, not that
1: part. I, I was talking more like on
0: songs like some of the songs on Life Is Peachy, and then the song Daddy and and stuff like oh, that.
1: But. Dude, Dad, Daddy, I have, I have a love hate relationship with. Sometimes that song is so fucking stupid,
0: but it's so good.
1: Ugh, it's just like shut the fuck up. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but then sometimes I'm like, oh wow, that was an emotional roller coaster, and I love it. <laughs> it really is, man. It, but sometimes, oh, sometimes dude. I fucking hate it. Sometimes I think it's just the dumbest thing ever, and I don't want to hear your problems, bro. Shut the fuck up. <laughs>
0: Um, but so so in Lounge Act you didn't like the the opening with
1: the baseline or anything. That's a pretty cool baseline. I'm I'm saying Chris's baseline and overall in this is very psych rock. This is throwing back to like like uh their cover of Love Buzz. That's that's shocking. Yeah, glue. great. That's, that's the band that sings that song Venus. I'm your Venus. I'm your uh, fire. That song is so bad. Ah ah. You only know the Bananarama version. You don't know the fucking. You don't know the. <laughs> Shock oh, that's right. We we did have a fight
0: about that once. I because I, I have
1: that. them on the vinyls because that's a fucking killer killer band. They also sing that song. Send me a postcard. Send me a postcard, darling. So good. But anyway, I don't know these guys that. these guys listen to psychedelic rock. These are these are kids that grew up yeah. listening to a lot of different music that again put it together in this 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 cauldron and came out with like this. Never mind. Never mind. Is just a better bleach, a more concise, a more refined bleach. And yes, I do like that baseline because it is psych rock. It is very bleach sounding. It is very mm-hmm. early Nirvana sounding. It is like the beginnings. This is where, this is where like their, their, their inspirations kind of come through in their, in their playing. And Chris like rips it up. I fucking absolutely love his baselines.
0: I mean, yeah, this is, I think this and, uh, this ter- territorial pissings and drain you. Are probably his best at least my favorite bass bass lines on, on the entire record but what i wanted to talk about in lounge act is is the guitar riff the main guitar riff um it's a very punk driven riff but it's played very slowly it 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 just has that i don't even know what it's called it's not they're not chicka Chicas. they're just kind of like a, this lazy kind of um lazy kind of just patterns that he plays it's just I, I can't I can't explain it. But it's a very punk driven song, but it's played like at half speed. It's a really, really weird.
1: I, I like how overall lazy this album is too. How lazy Nirvana plays in general. Yeah. I like that. They,
0: the only thing I mean, I, I like that too, but the way this, this album sounds like overall, like with just how polished it sounds, you don't hear that laziness as much because of it. Like you it's hear it on neuter it's,
1: it's not even like fucking it. it's not some like, like Madonna Like a virgin pop thing That's super poly- It's not even that polished There's a lot of things on True. it That sound like shit
0: I think I'm just saying that Comparing it to In Utero and Bleach Which because just it, sounds because so Because In Utero
1: Is like purposefully raw And that's uh It's annoying It even annoys me even more now And Bleach is, is Unpolished because They just weren't as good it And they weren't.
0: had it was, it, took, it was 600 bucks To record the record Yeah it was 600
1: bucks <laughs> That's what you do with 600 <laughs> bucks You know <laughs> <laughs> That's funny
0: all right, so I'm gonna play a little bit of "Lounge Act." We'll get into it a little bit more and then uh, move on. So here, um, okay, so here is "Lounge Act" from the Nirvana's. There you go a bit of lounge jack from nirvana dude it gets me every fucking time man the, the, when he when he transitions into that screaming part because he screams the chorus and then he screams the verse after it it's uh God, it's it's like, it's so good as
1: are 1b though as yeah 1b
0: yeah and and you know like we were talking about chris chris's playing is awesome It, i mean not just that intro baseline it's during the verses it, it i wouldn't say it's squirrely necessarily but he has some great shit going on there it's oh man this song is unreal if it's you're really top catchy five, too
1: if your top five consists of uh stay away territorial pissings and breathe i'm done i'm blogging I'm off we're done that's it for the <laughs> night that's it we're done buckle up baby boy because that is so fucking basic. That is so basic. Oh my god, you're so It's So, so basic. <laughs> What's your two B? What do you got? What's your two B? I'm vastly more curious than what your
0: two B is. I wanna know what your two B is. That's how we do this. That's the no. order.
1: My two B's drain you. Oh it is? Okay. My two B is stay away. Okay. This for the but, I want to keep I wanna keep going here. I wanna keep going. What's your three B? Why are we doing this? Because this you're so me? fucking predictable and pathetic. That's what it is. <laughs> no. You're so predictable. You're peepee. Predictable <laughs> and pathetic. You're peepee.
0: So my two B, like I said, a stay away. My three B is drain you. I love
1: drain you. Oh, you fuck face. Okay, you just changed right now. I heard you clicking. I did not. I heard you clicking. Territorial.
0: Okay, territorial territorial pissings is my five. And then what's breed? Breed is my four.
1: <laughs> you're such a. F- you're peepee. You're peepee. I don't but know what hey, News in for. there, right? News in there. God, you're so predictable and pathetic. That's what you are. Yeah, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, predictable and pathetic. You're, you're one dimensional. You're you're a fucking. You're a piece of paper instead of like a. Why cube. though? But why? Why what? are you a piece of paper? Because you're predictable. No. All those songs are very very similar. All those songs are just they're not, basically though. the punk songs of the album. You essentially just chose they're the punk songs, songs of the albums. But they're yeah, still I'm unique. Saying. To each other? No, no, they're not.
0: That's wrong. That's wrong, no. <laughs> so okay, let's get into Drain You since this is your two B. What do you got? Uh, then that's the so <laughs> that's
1: good. the only part I hate is that it starts out. With I C-
0: love Kurt that, that part
1: because again, fuck you. I sound like shit. I don't care. I'm gonna do it. And Kurt loved this song. Dude loved to play this song. That's yeah, like they played this favorite the songs. God damn, yep. this song is so good. There's so much like subtle strain in his vocals, like like during the verses. There's a lot of like strain there. There's a lot of parts that he just can't mm-hmm. really quite sing this song that well. And I love I love when the verses like are catchy. I love when the verses are the catchy parts and the choruses just serve the verses because it's so opposite of what we're used to in pop music, right? Like the verses serve the chorus. But now this is a song where the verses are so much better than the chorus. The choruses are they're fine. It's whatever. But let's yeah. get back into the verse, baby. Let's get back into the verse. Doing this bridge, right? <laughs> Oh, my God. His friend of the pod, Skip, mentioned here. It is Sabbath-like. And he's mentioned, mm-hmm. like, Electric Funeral, that, that bridge part, of Electric Funeral. This is very Sabbath-like. This is us. Like, we just wrote this really cute pop song. We just wrote this really great verse. How can we fuck it up? And that's what they did <laughs> in this bridge here. How can we screw this up? How can we make this, like, like not accessible to the masses because it's not what we do as a band? And then they did it. They did. And, they you know,
0: with it. To the point where, like, it's, it has all those the weird sounds, the rubber ducky and, and the rubber duck and everything. It's just it. It's kind of cheesy, but it's so good. And then it goes back into him screaming and back
1: into that that happy chorus, or the happy verses. That's my favorite part of the album, is mm-hmm. when the instrument melody, or the instrumental melody kicks. Instrument, melody. That's a good. Instrumental melody. The instrumental <laughs> melody hits before the third verse kicks in. When it's just a did uh, it yeah. and then they come in. Like that's that part alone right there. That's that's uh, that's God tier, dude. That's S tier. If we're doing the yeah. RPG system there, that's S tier.
0: <laughs> and then let's talk about um, Dave's drumming too. It's it's very swingy, it's very um, unique. He has some really great parts, great transitions between the verses and the choruses. I, I think his drumming. His drumming and Kurt's um, melodies in the verses are the highlights of the song. Absolutely, the highlights.
1: He's got some. He's got some weird parts too. Like, like the, he double taps the snare in a spot that's kind of hard to like, like catch on to. And, yeah. and like, as I listen to these, they're so fucking catchy. Like, I just can't help but like air drum to them. And it takes, so like, fun. It takes a good minute for me to catch on where he's double tapping that snare because it's a little bit weird, it's a little bit quirky. It's not a conventional double tap to lead into like the 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 third beat or or things like that. It's a little bit weird. And and It is. I like that. I like that. And this I know, is the one that makes him so unique as a This drummer. is the one that that earlier you said too that like Butch had to sneak in guitar dubs cuz Kurt didn't want to do that. Um Yeah. <laughs> but which leads to more of the end product being something Kurt loved because you know we would have heard so much about like fuck this!" I can't believe really, Butch Vig did this, but like, no, dude, Kurt loved everything about this, even those overdubs and the guitars on I mean,
0: what I like another way that he, he kind of tricked Kurt into doing more takes was by telling him, Well, John Lennon did it. He did multiple takes on on the Beatles songs. I, I love like he would try to like I wouldn't say manipulate him, but he would he would just lie to him, straight up lie to him and trick him. I, I it's so fucking funny.
1: Because he's like, Kurt 25 is such a fucking years baby. Old. Yeah, he's, he's a, a baby. baby, he's a junkie, he's 25, he doesn't know what the yeah. fuck he wants, he's kind of like a, <laughs> a prissy little whiner, and you hired this big-time producer, right? You hired this guy to do his fucking job. And but at this time, this he week, wasn't a
0: big-time producer, though, really.
1: He was still doing things, he was still getting he paid was, big but... bucks, though. He wasn't like eh. like like S-tier producer here, but he was still getting paid like big bucks here to do a job, a specific job, and Nick, Yeah. He was do he had already done stuff. He was already doing stuff. So whatever. But you hire this guy to do his job and then after the fact you kind of like shit on him for doing his job and then I don't know. It just, <laughs> it, just it just it just looked it just looked bad. It just yeah. looked bad.
0: Going back into Butch Vig, isn't it fucking crazy? You know, he did he did this Nevermind record and then he went on and did Gish and uh Siamese Dream. Gish was before like, just, this record. He did Gish before was Gish? this one. Yeah. Oh, was it right before this? So like, I guess yeah, it was ninety
1: one, yeah. They're both ninety one, yeah. But like after this is when he really like hit his hit his stride, obviously. And then even like went then, on to work with yeah. the Foo Fighters, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, he's, he's done a few of the records. He did the one in like twenty twelve. I can't remember the name of it right now, but that was that was actually a really good one. That was a really good Foo Fighters yeah, I'm record. Sure, <laughs> you're the worst.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! So <laughs> <Yeah. cool. laughs> it's funny because I was actually this week too. I listened to I listened to two Foo Fighter records. Their first one or Girls, I guess, first record, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's all girl. And then the one that Girl said was his favorite. I can't remember what the name was, but it's the one that has the the cover with the Foo Fighter tattoo on the back of the neck that has like "Learn to Fly" on it.
0: Oh yeah, what is that one? Um, Everything left to lose or
1: something? Something like that. Then, I yeah. I, th- I think Grawad said that was like his favorite thing that he's uh, that favorite food fighter record that he's ever done and I said like, oh well, okay I mean, let me let me hear this one nah boring <laughs> fucking boring even like learn to fly kind of a boring song I don't like yeah. it yeah
0: it, it's the video that makes it yeah the, the song fantastic. the song is pretty mediocre it's like um song the band okay go great videos okay songs I
1: forgot about that band
0: the treadmill yeah. band right that's yeah the, the treadmill th- yeah did all the crazy videos
1: what fucking song do they even have?
0: It's funny cuz I I can't remember it and then Tammy has brought it up before and she's
1: like, "Oh, it's this song." And then she'll sing it I'm like,
0: "Oh, I know that that song right now." But the off hell? the top of my head, I can't I can't remember what it is.
1: I wonder what song cuz I know I've watched that treadmill video dozens of times because it was a really cool video. But nobody would You would no what you what would song song recognize is. the song.
0: You would instantly recognize it. The but I, I can't wasn't remember. Wasn't that great cuz I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's weird. It's a weird thing. Well, look at yeah. So let's uh let's play a little bit of drain you get more into it a little bit and then move on so here it is from uh the nirvanas one baby
2: to says i'm lucky to you i'm done.
0: Bring you from Nirvana. It's it's Dave's drums, man. His playing on this song is just his beats are great. They're fantastic.
1: But like, I, we love Dave. We do. We love his drum beats. But come on, dude. These it's these melodies. The melodies on this album is what makes this album. And I know we can pretend. I know you can pretend. Like, stay with your favorite and territorial pissing and breed. <laughs> All the punk songs are my favorite. But like fuck off, dude. You listen to this out you listen to Nirvana because of Kurt and his melodies and his basic fucking guitar playing. The fact that he can he can like blink one eighty two his way into just playing basic power chords and create a melody with said power chords and then a better melody with his vocals on top of the already great melody he just created with his guitar. Don't even pretend like that's not what it is. I know you. I know you better than you know yourself, and that is what's happening, even though you pretend that's not what's happening. You're just, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm, I'm not wrong at fucking at all. I'm just I'm not I'm not lying to myself like you do and pretend. Oh my god, it's so irritating. <laughs> Ugh. So what is, yeah. What? What does we "Come as saying? You Are" sit? What, or, or, or where does "Come as You Are" sit? Come as You Are sits as my 11B. That's my 10B.
0: Okay, so we're kind of on the same page there. That one. That one's interesting. I really don't like that song that much, to be honest. <laughs> Wait. So so let let. let we'll touch upon that but let's wrap up um let's wrap up train you real quick um do you have anything lyrically on this one or no
1: i i I think this is a good old-fashioned like nirvana love song i really do and i I once over with the lyrics i think that's what he's trying to kind of he's trying to to get you to feel some type of love maybe not specific between like a man and a woman or just like a like a love thing but i think it's supposed to be like a love song and that's what he had Mm -hmm. in mind when he wrote the lyrics
0: I, I kind of feel the same thing. I, I I think it's about being so in love and obsessed with this person that it eventually drains her and then she just wants to leave. Like he just exhausts her emotionally because he's just so overbearing and so obsessed. That's what I got on that one. I don't think it's God, much deeper than that. This it's a great so fucking good. song, man. It's a great song. And did you see um like prior to them recording this they they had gone over I guess like Kurt and Dave had gone to the um, uh, who is it? The guy from the Melvins, the drummer, Dale Cro, yeah, oh, yeah. Dale Crover, Crover, gone over to their house and they recorded. They they formed a band like a very short-lived band uh, for like four days and they re- ended up recording this song prior to Nirvana the name of the together. Band? I'll just say it's the Retards. <laughs> not 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 a PC nowadays. Not appropriate, but that was the name. He of the said
1: band that back, he said that Kurt was like very into like forming bands just for like a week. And yeah, that was like the band that they they formed,
2: yeah. That one day,
1: it, I never knew that Buzz and and Kurt were actually kind of pretty damn close. Like, I, I didn't never, know. They, I never knew that either. Like they didn't. They, they knew each other for. Like, he was three years older, so when they met, like Buzz was was kind of like his his mentor essentially.
0: Well, Buzz was the one who got who helped him um, find. Did he find help him find Dave Grohl? I think that's what it was,
1: right? It was uh, it was Chris because Chris would show up was to the to the okay. Melvins practice, and he was like, "Hey, dude, like you should meet this kid, like Kurt, and like hey, Kurt, you should meet Chris." Like, mm. And that was kind of it. That's right. That's what it was. Honestly, like I, I I meant to make a note of it, and I looked it up, but I don't know how they met Dave Grohl. I think he was just in a different band or something.
0: He was in Scream. He was in a band called a hardcore band called Scream. Not that and hard. What? Not that hard. What do you mean? Not that hard? They weren't that hard they were a hardcore punk band All right. from the, I mean, yeah, they're fine. I, I don't really care for All the right. band, but, but yeah, I know that that's how they, they, they saw a screenplay and they really liked Dave's playing. So they, so Chad had just left the band and then they invited uh, Dave to audition. And then Dave went, the uh, story goes, Dave walked into the room and saw kurt and chris and we're like these are the guys that wrote bleach like he didn't he couldn't believe like <laughs> how short how short kurt was and how tall chris was and he's like D- i he he said something along the lines like on the cover it makes them look like they're like these big lumberjack guys who make this crazy punk music and you see them in real life and you're just like it's true he, it was almost like they disappointed. Do look taller on the cover yeah but kurt was a short guy i think he was like maybe five eight five nine yeah I mean, I mean, that's it wasn't not that short, but oh, it's not that short. But I mean, it yeah.
1: For everybody out there, for, Tyler's like six two or some fucking.
0: I'm six one.
1: Giant but, fuck. But you know, nature.
0: <laughs> when you when you see Kurt Cobain, you see him as this like larger than life person thing, you know. So it, you don't you expect him to be a tall guy, I guess. I don't know.
1: I think it's then, uh, yeah. I mean, just off of the whole dave grill thing I, I watched i watched their induction into the rock and roll hall of fame and dave spoke first and like the first thing he kind of did was was tell people like don't forget guys like nirvana had like three drummers prior to me yeah. when i came in they were already a band they'd already released a fantastic album he said i would not be here and then listed off like all the drummers he yep. said, especially like chad channing like huge shout out man Like, you are the reason why i'm even here like you were a great drummer and like that was fucking amazing. That was so cool that he did that.
0: Did you read like the kind of like the backstory behind all that as well? The, the, with Chad the and, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: No. Oh, the like hell Chad thought he was going to be invited. He, and he wasn't was, invited.
0: The Nirvana's management said that he, he, he was reserved to go like, and he was going to be inducted. And then like a week before the event, they pretty much said, no, you're not going to be inducted. You're not invited anymore. And it was like a huge fuck you to him. But no, he was under the impression because they pretty much told him that he was going to be inducted and he should have been, you know? And, and people have made a good point. You know, people who have done less in other bands have been inducted, you know, like like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. All the guys who have been inducted in that band, you know, the, Chad Channing did way more for Nirvana than some of the guys in the Chili Peppers.
1: It, it, it's, it's definitely just like, we're essentially inducting Nir, or the Nevermind iteration of Nirvana. That's True. what's happening. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's so unfair because Chad did. I mean, yeah, he did all of Bleach, but he also did a lot on, or he, d- he did a lot for uh Nevermind as well. He's just not credited for it, but he did do. He's a lot credited on it.
1: drums. He's credited on Polly on Polly, but
0: also you he know what he did with drums in, on Polly. He's not credited on In Bloom, which he should be because he wrote that part. That that that's his drum part, you know.
1: Yeah, and and no, some I of these agree. other
0: songs were being played, you know two three years prior to never mind even being recorded which chad was on you know and on top of that you know look at incesticide yeah it's a compilation but you know chad's on a lot of those fucking songs
1: so he the snub was
0: it's pretty fucked up i mean well, but i mean that's the rock and roll hall of fame yeah
1: that's the rock and roll hall of fame absolutely and then i was i was i was kind of like curious because i I was i google a lot about like what did chris have to say after kurt died and what did like chad have to say or what did dave have to say and mm-hmm. then after reading how close that Buzz was with Kurt, I was like, what did Buzz have to say? Because really, he kind of knew Kurt longer and more intimately than anybody else because Kurt looked up to Buzz. Kurt didn't, like, look up to Chris in the same way. They were just bandmates. They, they were, were friends. Made, yeah, they were they were friends, but they were just, they were, like, bandmates. But, yeah. like, Chris, Kurt really looked up to Buzz. Like, he wanted to be like him. He wanted to be the Melvins. And then the Melvins album, Houdini, right, that... that that grunge album that they were gonna do for Atlantic, or they did for mm. Atlantic, but they they wanted Kurt to produce the whole thing and he was too fucked up on heroin and they fired him, they got rid of him. They said, You can't do this anymore, dude. We can't you can't be here. Yeah. But they didn't like take it public because it's that's nobody's business. And so then I, I kind of like looked up what Buzz had to say about Kurt's death, and it was like more sad than everybody else because he he felt like a son died almost. He felt like somebody like Buzz knew Kurt looked up to him, Buzz knew that. Yeah, and so when Kurt died, if he said it felt like like his son had died, he felt like somebody that looked up to him, somebody that admired him, and he said he felt like he let him down, and that was really sad, because Dave still kind of talks about it and doesn't really talk about it that much. And he wrote like whatever memoir book he wrote in the past several years, I guess has a whole chapter devoted to it for the first time that he's ever really opened up about it. Um, But Dave came in late, man. Like Dave only knew Kurt for a handful of years. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot because they're touring the world together and they're living together. But by that time, I mean, Dave really never did any like hard drugs and, and anything like that. Never discouraged Kurt from doing it the way Buzz did. Buzz tried to get Kurt off the drugs. So I don't know. That was really sad. If you want to go down a really sad rabbit hole, like I haven't gone down that. What Buzz had said about, uh, about Kurt's death is really sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's terrible. I mean, it
0: makes sense though. It really does. And
1: there's I, really, I like, mean, yeah, not I, like we shouldn't talk about it because that's not what we're doing on the pod. But mm-hmm. it's hard to talk about Nirvana without even mentioning bringing up that aspect of Nirvana, the band. True. Because as we, as we mentioned earlier before, like the hindsight 2020 thing, when somebody in the band dies, their earlier works are now like put under a microscope even more. Say, oh, look at mm-hmm. this part when he says when I, I, I swear I don't have a gun. Does that mean something? It's like, no, dude, this, none of this shit means fucking anything. Like, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from Nirvana's lyrics is none of this shit means anything. It's all fucking <laughs> stupid. Listen to the melodies, the music, the drums, the guitar, the bass. The lyrics yeah. are fucking garbage. You know what's, I really, I was thinking about
0: it this week with Nirvana. They put out three records in four years. And they're considered one of the most popular influential bands of all time like that they were i mean they were a band from 87 to 94 but they put out 3 records in 4 years which is crazy it's crazy how how much music they put out in that short amount of time and how one how different they all sound from one another and also how influential each of them are how how how, yeah, how in influential ways. each of them are yeah in different fucking ways it's crazy man it's totally fucking crazy but it's like we like you don't think about that. You think as you think of Nirvana as like this band that was around for decades or or whatever because they're always being talked about constantly in the media, on radio, or wherever. You know, you're always reading about Nirvana or seeing the logo somewhere. So it feels like they're still around, but they were they were not around for very fucking long at all.
1: No, it's insane. And but I could I could I could we could have a whole other podcast a podcast because I did look a lot about podcast. I did I did look up a lot about Courtney Love too and fuck man. My fire my hatred for her is like reignited.
0: Right. Just, she's a pretty God, terrible person. She's
1: the fucking worst. She she's that's pretty all pretty terrible. Don't want to get into it. It's just gonna make me mad. So <laughs> <laughs> she is the fucking worst. Yeah. Yeah, fuck she's pretty her. despicable. Unreal. Pretty despicable.
0: And then, you know, like on because because we're still in grunge season, you know, we listened to that first whole record last week. That record fucking sucks. It yeah, yeah. She's not she's not great. Not
1: good. No. Yeah. Stupid. The fact shit. that she makes any any money from this whatsoever fucking irritates me. Yeah. All the
0: lawsuits. Oh yeah, we're not even gonna get into that shit. It's just gonna um, be mad. Yeah. <laughs> so let's All
1: get right, into so your yeah. let's hear, your three B. We already, already Well, I thought these, we were gonna these, do come as you are. Let's get into all the okay. Let's do "Come As You Are." Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Just, we, won't, we don't have to spend a lot of time what? on it, but it was a big single, a big song. Still is a big song. So, so, what do you have on this one?
1: Well, it's it's arguably like their second biggest song of all time. Like "Come As You Are." That's it, is it though? It's, it's the fucking the the, the logo for the stupid town that nobody gives a shit oh, about. Oh yeah, Kurt was Aberdeen, from. Aberdeen. And that that riff, I mean, that's been it's uh, so oh god, so many things rolling off my head here. The fact that it was stolen from the Killing Joke and also the damn songs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the fucking progression. It's a chord progression. It's a, it's a note progression. Who cares? Get yeah. over it. Who cares? It's fine. Fuck off. Relax. Nobody's stealing it like
0: I like the effects on, on that guitar, though, with that main riff, that doom, 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 boom. Just the, the, the reverb on it is so nice.
1: So the riff nice. is solid, but I think it's the most pop-like song on the album. Something kind of like, like lukewarm that is good in every way. But never gets great, yeah. And that's what this song for me is. So much verb. The song also has a good swing to it, like like In Bloom has a good swing to it. But this one doesn't feel as natural. Everything just kind of feels like, like everything's just forced. Like the laid back and Kurt's voice, it just sounds forced.
0: It seems forced, and it. This song is the only song on the record that seems like it's cookie cutter. Like, like they like it was almost like it feels like they. They spliced it all together afterwards. Like it's different parts because the the chorus hits pretty hard, but it has that that big loud distorted guitars, the melodies there. But there's no like real transition between. I don't feel like there's a good transition between the verses and the choruses. Not like in other songs. In other songs, Dave absolutely kills it with his transitions. But come as you are
1: is very minimal, but not yeah. in a good way. Yeah, exactly. I, I think everything's just kind of weak, but. I don't know. It's it's, it's still fine. a great song though. It's still it's, a fucking great song. Like I would never change this song. And 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 this one and uh Smell Like Teen Spirit we jam to just because they're so fun to play. And then we mm-hmm. can just transition between one and the other and it's really fun. Um but I do I do really, really like the part where he, where Kurt jumps the gun on the part he says, I don't have a gun. Yeah. He says it too early, and I guess that was like a mistake he did in studio and they left it on the the album. Yeah, that's that, pretty rad. Butch Vig was like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking dope, dude. We should leave that on the album. Your mistake there. See, it's not all overproduced. These are things that happen, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a killer part. That's like my favorite part of the song. Oh, so and
0: good. this is one of the few songs on on the record that has like a, not I wouldn't say a proper solo, but one that actually stands out. Even though he's just following the melody, um, yeah, with the guitar, and he recorded that guitar solo in two takes, vocals in three takes. So." just another example of like how minimalistic how minimal how little input was put into to actually making this record like it it's just i it still blows my mind how popular this record is and it they just made it so haphazardly i just i and it's again i just fantastic. i don't i
1: the more i think about it i just don't think it's overproduced i think yes maybe there's 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 too many tracks there's too many guitar tracks maybe vocal tracks if that's what you think is overproduced, but otherwise, like no, I think this is still just at its core I think, a bunch of kids writing a fucking ton of really, really good songs.
0: But like I was saying, I, I it's not it's not like the overdubbing because there's very little of it. I to me it's always been the guitars. The guitars sound just they sound too clean. Even though, yeah, there's a lot of distortion and all that shit. But they sound too clean. But like I was saying earlier, that's only because I'm comparing it. To bleach and in utero, which is not fair by any means. It's not fair, but that's all I have to go. That's all I have to go off of. Are those two records?
1: So, dude, like, this is this is a band that because they put out only three records, all three of those records could have been done by a different band because they are they are so vastly different. And it's not even just like bleach is so different than in in utero, but like every every each album has its strengths and weaknesses. That are vastly different than the other ones. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know, man. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, and another thing we haven't really, we haven't actually haven't touched upon it at all is is Dave Grohl's uh, background vocals. So kind of going back a little bit to in Bloom, um, Dave Grohl has a lot of Im- not a lot of input, but he has a lot of uh, background vocals harmonizing with with Kurt. And I never really thought about it until a couple years ago. I, I saw, I came across a video that Butch Vig did um, where he was breaking down this record and he played just the vocal takes of In Bloom during the chorus. And Kurt and Dave's vocals are perfect Oof. with one another because Dave... I guess when Dave was recording his parts, he was having a hard time hitting these higher notes because I mean he's a drummer, he's not a singer yet, you know. So he's he was having a hard time, but Bush But Bush, 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 um, really pushed him to to keep going, keep trying, and he did. And when you hear those those isolated vocals with Kurt and Dave, it's fucking solid. It's really really good. And then when you hear, did you listen? Did you hear those at all, or no?
1: You didn't send them to me. I didn't know there I was. Know, I, th- I, know I, totally said, I know. I totally forgot. I know. I sent me. You sent me an hour and a half long of live at the Paramount that I watched. You told me to listen to this four hour box set that I listened to, but you didn't send me a two minute isolated vocal track. What's going on here? What's, what's I, going on? I, here? Was ju-
0: I was just so excited about Nirvana this week that I just <laughs> wanted to. I just wanted to show you stuff that I know you've never heard or seen, and I just I, I love this band so much. I just wanted you to hear what I've heard, but um, but no, it's 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 really neat. It's really neat hearing those those isolated takes together and. Got I, I just, I can only imagine what it would have been like after In Utero had Kurt not died. And like if Dave and Kurt had made it more of a collaboration, it could have been really something really, really
1: fucking cool. Just, just like, like all speculative, right? Because all speculative. But I do, I honestly uh-huh. do think that they were going in line with more, more folk, maybe like more orchestral arrangements. I think they were going into more production with their next album because there is a lot of production going into in utero. There is a lot of things that they are doing. And then when you see the performance for the unplugged, those same like tricks that they're now using with guitars. Now they have a live cellist. They have multiple guitars now. So I think their next album would have been, they would have hired studio musicians. They would have hired an orchestra They'd have done a lot of things like that. It would have been a big, big production. Something along the lines of like Nirvana or Nevermind meets In Utero, with an orchestra, and folk yeah, based. It could have. That's what I uh, think. It, it, so it many fucking been, things. Oh.
0: But then I don't like thinking about that because it, it could have turned out really bad
1: too. It could have turned out really bad, but it could have been like the greatest thing they've ever done because everything they did was yeah. like the greatest thing they've ever done. Ugh. Except for Incest aside, fifth best easy the easy. worst
0: so do we have anything else on come as you are i mean the videos i mean outside of the video do you, do we have anything else on this
1: one? <laughs> the video is fine this is this is one of those it's videos stupid. where it's like like what can we do man like i don't know just add water dim the lights it's fine <laughs> <laughs> it seems very lazy yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: silly that's it.
0: All right. Um, I don't care to talk about the lyrics on this one. I really don't. This is our. This is my 11. This is your 10B. So,
1: yeah, let's move on.
0: Uh, what's another, what's your, what, what B are we on? I don't
1: know. Uh, I've not done 4B. I've not done 3, I've mean, done 3B. Okay, what, what do you got for your 3B? Lithium. Really? As I say okay, lithium I right now, I, I feel like I have a lisp when I say lithium. <laughs> 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 lithium. That would sound so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah, a little bit Lithium, little bit. oh my god, I hate that word This is the worst, this is the worst of the Kyle, right? Where the Lithium is the <laughs> worst Oh my god Lithium, oh it's awful I hate it this, this to me is a better attempt at succeeding In what come as you are, try to do Kurt singing is so fucking lazy here Even with the big production Pushing him to be more pop He still mm-hmm. found a way to say like Fuck off and just slur his words. He tapers off at the end of syllables and just sounds like he doesn't give a shit. God, it's so bad. Mhm. That's this is not like overproduced. It really isn't. This album is not overproduced in any way. I know. I know it's not. I know. I know. It, I do agree with you on that. And this is this is my big epiphany is, is I I've been the biggest like like hater of this album for so long because of its overproduction. No, there's uh, much like Jerry Finn in Enema of the State, God rest his soul. Too much, too much production. <laughs> but this isn't that case. This isn't that case. There are still instances here that this is Nirvana. This is Nirvana at its essence. I love the guitar progression. Lots of notes, lots of noodles, mm-hmm. right? And just like, I don't know, keep it going in the chorus. That's dope. And yeah. to even have, even have a chorus without words, just screaming. That's so what I was going to say.
0: Yeah. The chorus is just him screaming, yeah. That's all it is and and that that kind of I feel like that that reinforces our theory that his lyrics aren't really about anything. I mean he's writing the entire hook the chorus with just yes and that's it. That's it that's all. I, I love it. I, yeah. I really really love it. And the um, I do love how just tired and lazy he sounds in the verses and I love Dave's transition from the verse into that chorus. It's just a simple simple beat just into it but it's it works so well um i love the interplay in the verses between Chris and um kurt's playing it just sounds it just sounds great the bridge is fantastic too oh man dude this is this is truly a great song
1: what 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 bees is for you probably like 12b 13b (laughs) it's
0: my it's my 10b that's okay just
1: so like what, what you did was just choose singles and then besides drain you, and then make them your low bees is what's happened. Oh, and then you chose gosh. the punk songs and made them your top bees. You know it.
0: what? Let's see if this. Let, let's see get if back, this. Uh, this this. Get back to me in like 20 years after you've listened to this record a thousand times. Let's see if this. Then this I'm sure your I'm
1: sure you're, your bangers all the Bangers time. will change. Because it just happens. I'm all sure the your time.
0: bangers will change.
1: <laughs> I love all these songs. <laughs> I love that part. It's So good. <laughs> Dude, post-chorus Chris in this on Lithium, oh, I hate mm-hmm. that. Lithium. is so fucking rad. He's scaling up and down the bass and keeping it really interesting. And this is mm-hmm. and this is the fifth track on the, on the album. So we're hearing him kind of do Bleach-era stuff, the stuff that he did live. So that's, it's good. It's good bass playing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I think this is,
0: uh, it's not his, I, it might be one of his best bass performances on the record. It's up there. For he sure. rips
1: it up later too, like in the later pre-chorus bridge thing, the part like super squirrely, yeah. and then has his own spot in the light before like everything else comes back in for like the last half of the song or last quarter of the song, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's on his own there. He's a killer bass player, man. Underrated. I would say a little bit
0: underrated as well.
1: Uh, I've not. Doesn't he any, do anything super. I, I I I I I. I. I? With like, like a crazy Axel train Rose. over here? I I oh, oh there you're right that was Ozzy, not <laughs> Axel. <laughs> yeah, that's Crazy Train. <laughs> it's both annoying at that era. Who cares? But yeah, I, I I don't know if I would say he's underrated. I I think I think he's uh I I, I think he's, he's not talked about enough to be honest. But like, which is uh, underrated, but that's okay. But like that's because that's like saying oh fucking in the conversation of God and and gandhi you know i can't think of a third person yeah I don't know what you're getting at god of. dude because he's not <laughs> talked about enough because kurt and dave are so larger than life musician wise yeah that's why he's that's not true. talked about enough of course he's not talked about enough because he's kurt go fucking cobain dave Grohl. come on yeah i, I get it dave Grohl still turning heads to this day that's crazy <laughs> it's <is> absolutely <laughs> with the fucking bonkers with the Foo
0: Fighters of all bands, you know.
1: And I think, I think, Ugh. like, I think it's important to note. I do think it's important to note that I think, I think Kurt would be happy with how Dave has handled himself and and music and the Foo Fighters since like Nirvana stopped being a thing. Because Dave, yeah. even like, what was it, like last year when he was on the flatbed truck playing music to like anti. I guess pro abortion, no anti-abortion uh, church goers. Remember? Like oh, yeah, yeah. remember, he was like, that. "Oh yeah, yeah." I remember. Oh yeah, you guys should reconsider. And like, dude, come on. He's still doing this shit. Fucking thirty years, forty years later, that Nirvana was playing anti-abortion rallies. There were the, for the in Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. At free free shows and stuff. Like, that's cool that Dave Grohl still does. That's cool that Dave Grohl like still. Like calls out like a person in a wheelchair in the crowd and says, "Hey, lift him up on stage and gives him a guitar and tells him to smash it and then throws him in the crowd to crowd serve." That's cool that these big bands still do this. Like Dave Grohl is the the last true like rocker. Dave Grohl and Billy Joe Armstrong, the last true rockers, I will say. (laughs) Well, (laughs) calling it. I don't know about that. Calling it,
0: calling it. But also with Dave Grohl, he's he's a person who in the limelight who nobody
1: ever talks bad about everything is so positive about dave grohl even when he doesn't uh, yeah because he doesn't like sign autographs outside of like specific times and areas so when people approach him like hey sign this i don't sign autographs why not and that video he just runs away just takes off what yeah there's there's a video of like dave grohl's like walking to or from his car and a group of people are like hey grohl dave like come here and talk to us hey what's up guys and like, hey, sign this. He's like, I don't sign autographs. And like, well, why not? He's like, because I only sign autographs in specific times because people scalp them and stuff. And oh, they ask him okay. another question, and he's like, uh, and then it takes off running. <laughs> I've <never seen> that. <laughs> so good. <laughs> God, he's just such like a people person. He's just so nice in like every aspect, so down to earth. He's just like the perfect rock star. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: And he's so fucking talented. He really is Whoa. talented. Whoa. Hey, Whoa. hey. We know Nirvana. We know some good Foo Fighter songs. We know Dead Widow. We know Probot. We know Queens of the Stone Age. So you know, yeah, he's just really good. at the drums. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All good? right, um,
0: let's move on from Lithium. I'm I'm done unless you've got something anything no, else on let's, this let's, one. Let's
1: go to the punk songs now. Here we go.
2: Oh my
0: god, you're
1: exhausting. Well, is that you're is that not, Should we not call them the punk songs because they're the punk songs, right? <laughs>
0: Okay, so I guess we're gonna get into the punk songs, as as you say. So yeah, my my two B going back a little bit. My my second banger on here is "Stay Away." Why don't you? Why do you hate this song so much? This is my six B. <sighs> God, this is a why high B. Why? why are you bitching so much then? Because you're I you're don't predictable and pathetic. You're a peepee. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, predictable it's, and pathetic. It's so it's so disrespectful and
1: rude to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're a peepee. <laughs>
2: Uh,
0: what i what i love most about this song is is, is dave's drumming it, it really it just starts out with that 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 drum roll builds 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 and builds and his parts are really simple they're very catchy with this song with breed with yeah really this song and breed are the two songs where i feel like he's he's like well okay yeah they are well, what, what's wrong with that nothing like wrong with okay but you're you acting like something's wrong with it But you're acting like something's wrong with it that's fine. Um, because this is fun. But what I was gonna say is that I feel like it it's his homage to Chad because Chad has that that kind of um like kind of I don't want to say doo style to his playing, but he has a very kind of he has unique beats as well. And I feel like Dave Dave is is just kind of trying to play like chad or is playing like Chad on these two songs to kind of show like okay, we're still kind of this Nirvana punk band from the Bleach era. On Nevermind, and he's playing these kind of like simple, simple drum beats, really. During the during the choruses, especially.
1: No, I see it. I get it. I get. Do you? I I do get you? it. No, I no. The this is the punk song. Come on, it's silly boy talk. The, no, I the, think it's the punk so why song. Why do you keep talking shit? Because I it's, don't get it. Because it's like the more basic of the songs. It's still a really really good song, but it's the more basic of the songs on this album. So when you choose these like basic punk songs, because punk at its core is pretty basic, they just think, like, "Yeah, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> <eh. but is it really <laughs> that different than
0: than some of the other like slower songs, you know where you know, in the verse he, he's singing like in a lower register, he's kind of like doing this kind of lazy thing, and then it, it's, it's even in this song, it still has the soft and soft and loud dynamic it the it, it, it brings dynamic. it back to
1: like like humans we enjoy melody we enjoy things that that are easy to listen to that are fun to listen to and just and to say that like territorial pissings and stay away and breed are on the same plane I'm on a plane as like drain <laughs> you or or even come as you are and to come as you are it's just instantaneously catchy and i will i will i will like admit that but like it, this is not no, it, it's in—it's inherent in us. It's—it's it's this subconscious thing that we—that we do. You, you're you're yeah. fighting nature, nature versus nurture. Nature always wins. Always wins. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's what's happening here. But I do love "Stay Away," man. This is my six B. This song is so rad. It is. God, it's so it is. good, dude. You rad baseline, the back and forth, and the vocals. That is so fucking cool. Like the verse parts, the the whatever. He, what do you say in the the verses? monkey see, monkey do? I don't know, so, uh, like that. Oh, so that, that. So that that part,
0: the I don't know why part. Until this week, I never knew what he said.
1: I didn't know what he fucking said. I just, I, I, I would I, always just say like uh, 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 I was like kind of do that thing. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> like the even lazy now, I, I
0: even now I don't hear. I don't know why. I c- I cannot hear it. Oh, man, he he is so lazy with his vocals. And I love too how Butch Vig has said multiple times that he just he purposely not purposely, but just that's his style. Like he doesn't care what people hear. He just is trying to sing something that sounds good to him. Like whether or not their actual words are coherent, it makes no difference to him. Or it made no difference to him. I love that. I fucking love it. And I hate the people that try to overanalyze shit. Oh, like the um um we should have brought this up during the in bloom part, but let's just go back to it real quick. It. So I came across this video a couple days ago about in bloom, and it's some like some dude on YouTube where he's like he knows musical theory like through and through, and all he does is like break down these these pop songs like this or rock songs, and and breaks down like oh. So Kurt was inspired by this, by the doo era of like 1963. And this, no. like he breaks it down like super, super, it's super complicated. And it's like, no. you're completely missing the fucking point. Like yeah. it, it's not this at all. And you're completely, it's a, like, it was like a four minute video and it was exhausting. I got halfway through it and I just, I'm like, this guy just is full of fucking shit. He, he can literally say anything. I mean, really, it's, <laughs> it, was, it's, oh, it was so obnoxious.
1: We do base like a lot of a lot of this this podcast on like over indulging in things that probably are not there, but like the essence of of what is happening, we we keep intact and and yeah, like Nirvana especially, Kurt was was pretty was pretty adamant about lyrics not meaning a goddamn thing, and even like Dave Grohl, dude, like recently had said that yeah, dude, like Kurt was writing lyrics like five minutes before we fucking started recording them, like he was just jotting down things that rhymed. And doing it as fast as possible just to get it done doesn't mean shit.
0: And not only that, but it's like when you see bands, like really any band, they a vocalist goes in with like, uh, like uh, scratch tracks. You know what I mean? Like he goes, they go in with just the the melody, the idea, but with no lyrics, so they just make noises. Yeah, like that's essentially what Kurt does.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it just happens to be instantaneously like iconic with the stupid fucking things he throws out yeah. there. Like, I hate come as you are, but God, the come as you are, like, no.
0: <laughs> but no, okay, so back to Stay Away. Stay What, what away. do you have musically on this? I love the way he screams Stay Away in the chorus. It's so good.
1: Dude, Chris ah. has, like, some great, great parts throughout the song, too. His bass lines, like, accent the power chords to make them mm-hmm. seem more complicated than they actually are, because we're just having a lot of power chords thrown out on this album. And that's fine, whatever, right? Like right from the get go, we hear power chords, smell like Teen Spirit, right from the get go. The first thing you hear in this album is power chords, and we have a lot of them here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It gets kind of old, and this is the tenth. This is the tenth track already. So now, now, like Chris is is finally writing bass parts to make those power chords not seem so basic and stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's it's they're not that complicated still, but it's. He's trying. He's trying, and the ending of this is really rad. When it's just Chris and then Dave double times, kind of with the drum roll. Yeah. To end it. So So sick. So sick. It is. Also,
0: kind of jumping on the lyrics a little bit. The end of the song. The last line is "God is gay." God is gay. That's pretty. That's pretty controversial in 1991 to say something like that.
1: Well, he grew up very religious. And then he did, yeah. grew up very anti-religious, but then also kind of like, like when you grow up religious, you always have that, that in you that's like, yes, I'm not, I don't really believe in God anymore, but I still understand a lot of, of like the values of Catholicism or Christianity or whatever religion you're doing, you still hold mm-hmm. those values because that's how you grew up and, and, and they're, they're still like inherent inside of you. And so Kurt brought those, those later on brought those later on to his to his music um even though he wasn't religious there's a lot of religious themes he didn't disagree with religion he does not agree with it and and i don't know it's just weird like i think he's just trying
0: to i think he's just trying to offend a little bit but not be not not be obnoxious about it really and not be like on the nose about it if that makes sense like he's not writing a song like he's not the title of the song isn't god is gay he's just throwing it in kind of like as a throwaway line And that's something he was spray
1: painting years prior to this album anyway. He was tagging up fucking the the, the hard streets of Seattle or Aberdeen. (laughs) And he was tagging (laughs) up God is gay for years prior to this anyway. But yeah, I think it's just shock value. It's shock value to get people talking. And I don't think he actually hates God, but I think he enjoys the concept of... of... I, I think he's one of those guys that would like to talk to somebody who's really, really religious and hear their side of the story as much mm-hmm. as he would like to talk to somebody who fucking hates God and hear their side of the story. I think he's a good, good middle ground guy. Was a good middle ground guy.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I don't think
1: he hates God in the way like like some of these like metal bands fucking pretend to hate God in silly ways.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the the Swedish death metal bands and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think it's all more right, of a, uh,
0: a ploy. Should we uh, should we play a little bit of Stay Away, or do you want to yeah. move on? What do you want to do?
1: One beat, How many yeah. more
0: songs do you want to talk about?
1: I want to talk about all of them except for Endless Nameless. I don't really care.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't care to. T- I mean, I like the song, but it's a hidden track.
1: That's a that's that's my thirteen B.
0: <laughs> if you had a thirteen B, yeah, and that's that it. That is a, that is my thirteen B as well. Um, yep. I mean, uh, I'm kind of good to wrap it up. Uh, actually. There are two songs I think we should talk about, and that being Polly and territorial, pissing. territorial Pissings.
1: Okay. I was thinking Polly and then something in the way, but we could. Well, no, poly for sure. Then. Of,
0: no, let, let's do all three of those then. I'm not to do all three.
1: Yeah. Let's do one, Here There we go. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So let's jump into Polly. So this one, it's pretty much just Kurt and an acoustic guitar. Um, the story behind it, both instrumentally and lyrically, I think is is interesting um it's something especially lyrically i i was very surprised about like that he would write about it but what do you, i don't know where do you want to start with this song where this is take a lead this is like a
1: this is the uh, the beginning stages of 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 rape me right like rape me is his song that he wrote to be this 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 antithesis of what the the title is and it was lost it was it was lost on on the on on the masses and it was lost and it kind of upset him. Polly was like the beginning of that. Polly was this this thing that was written about like this girl who was abducted and raped and tortured, and he wrote it from kind of like the the perspective of the of the of the rapist, but in mm, this way yeah. that was fucked up, man. It was bad and weird, and he hated the guy and he, he thought it was horrible, and and I actually read about this guy too, and I don't want to much like like the census fail song like like why do you, the criminals get all the fame when like the victims don't get any fame that was an old census fail song so good from uh, actually from let it unfold you was it i yeah. don't remember um but if you read about this guy he actually went to prison decades earlier for the same thing and was released eventually on parole and then abducted some girl fucking raped her blowtorched her and then was arrested again and now still in prison. But it's just yeah. uh, fucking insane. Whatever, that's a whole different topic. But Kurt wrote the song "Polly" from the perspective of him, and I think that shows, on the surface, it's kind of like, why the fuck would you do that? It's weird. But I think that shows like the amount of like empathy Kurt has. And you can have empathy for somebody that you absolutely hate, that you cannot stand, that the worst people that have ever lived on this earth, you can have empathy for them, Because you're emotional because you feel things. And I think what makes this song great. This is my A B, by the way. This is just fucking fantastic. I love love this song. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) 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 Fucking idiot. I I think it's absolutely fantastic. But I, I think it showcases just how how emotional Kurt was, how he was able to empathize with people in ways and it doesn't mean he agrees with the guy at all. It just means He's trying to put himself in this person's shoes and feel what this person was feeling in a way mm-hmm. that just evoked an emotion. It wasn't a good emotion, a bad emotion. It was just evoking an emotion. And I think that was solid. I think Polly does a really, really good job at being this really catchy, kind of acoustic song. But there's something about it, man. There's something about it that's weird. And even if he didn't know the backstory, Even if he didn't know what it's about. It's just weird. It makes you feel weird. Yeah. Especially the blowtorch part.
0: That, that yeah. Part was, that it's always that part has always been weird to me, and then reading about it more this week, I I, I thought, man, dude, this song is pretty fucked up. Yeah, pretty fucked up. It yeah, is fucked up. <laughs> but I, I I don't think at this time in '91, a lot of people were were looking at looking at the perspective like he, looking at the pers- perspective like he was of the bad guy, of the villain, of something this egregious and and terrible, you know. What this guy did to to this one, this girl and and another girl prior it was just it's despicable.
1: It's terrible, and,
0: and I don't, it doesn't
1: I, mean that he agrees with it. Like that's no, no, the biggest takeaway. It doesn't mean that because he was putting himself in this per- that empathy right because you're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. It doesn't mean that he agrees with this in any way because he fucking hates it. And Nirvana existed to be like the antithesis of. Of this, like they were, they were very much feminist. They were like the most feminist band that were not like Bikini Kill or in the Riot Girl era. Yeah, they were the very much like the most feminist band you could possibly have. Kerr was very
0: outspoken about. So it all that does
1: not that. mean that he agrees with this, but to have empathy for somebody, it's just see. I don't know if it's
0: empathy. I mean. Uh... I don't know if it's empathy. I think it's. Just, I think he's just trying to. Empathy sounds too dark much dark like picture. sympathy,
1: and I think maybe I my 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 definition of empathy is not quite correct. But I think empathy is literally just putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, while sympathy is you feel so bad for somebody because of the actions that they did. So he has yeah. empathy. He can feel what this person is feeling, even though he fucking hates this person.
0: I still think empathy might be the wrong word. I, st- I think he just wants to put something in a dark place and, or write a song from a dark perspective. And I think that's all it is. I, I think that's, I don't think it's an, it's an empathy thing.
1: But it is from the perspective of this guy.
0: I know it is, but it's meant to be like done in a dark way. And I don't feel, because empathy is kind of, I feel dark. like it implies like that you, you understand why he, why this person did what they did.
1: But you can still understand why somebody does the way why somebody does the things that they do and still think they're fucking horrible for doing it. Oh uh, true, I guess. But still, Again, I like Hitler, like we all know. understand why he did the things that he did, but he's but like he's still the fucking worst of all time, right? He's the yeah. goat. Possibly the goat. Oh <laughs> Throwing
0: out another word which I don't think that would really apply to Dude,
1: Hitler's like the goat at being the worst.
0: <laughs> the goat at being the worst, yeah. yeah. So, the first verse in Polly, I mean, it's, dude, it's Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first. I think she wants some water to put out the blowtorch.
1: This is the only song, like I, I mentioned earlier, this is the only song on the album that I read the lyrics and tried to decipher them. This is it.
0: I, I mean, I don't think there's anything to decipher outside of the fact that he this entire song is pretty much him going through the events of the, the rapist, the torturer. Dude, I, I don't like, think I don't think there's a deeper meaning to it. I that think
1: that that line, Polly wants a cracker. Like, did I ugh. treating somebody like an animal, right? Polly, yeah. like, you, it's, a bird, a subhuman, right? Yeah. it's a bird, right? It's a bird. That's what people think, Polly. That's what I think Polly is. Do you think Polly like Polly yeah, yeah, wants a cracker? That's what I would right? think too. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So like, Polly wants a cracker. You are treating this person like a fucking animal? And then thinking the next line, maybe she would like some food in the later verses. And I think she should get off her first. But like, it's just, it's so disgusting. It's so fucking bad, dude. It's so, oh my God. It's so real. It's so raunchy.
0: Yeah.
1: It's so bad. You don't want to talk about it because it's so awkward. It's so fucking bizarre. It's so unreal that somebody could like do these things and people do do these things and continue to do these things but we don't we don't hear we don't hear pop songs written around this because it's it's taboo because it's it's horrible but i mean ultimately art is 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 there to make you feel it's to make you feel something and if this instance if putting himself in the shoes of this guy made kurt feel therefore he wrote a song to make us feel that is he's accomplished his thing that's art yeah true true I don't know. This this song is, is uh this song is weird. I think this is like the biggest outlier on the album because absolutely. It is it is I mean it's the acoustic track, right? Except for the yeah, musically, the sick, lyrically sick drum performance awesome. by Chad. Um <laughs> <laughs> the four the force cymbal hits that he does. <laughs> Otherwise it's just an acoustic track, really, but it's not like an acoustic track as like the closer is. It's an acoustic track that is kind of meant just to be really fucked up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I do want to play any of poly I'm, I'm okay not to. That's fine. Okay, let's uh, let's jump into territorial terito- territorial pissings real quick, and then we'll get it, We'll wrap it up with uh, something in the way. Sound good?
1: Sure. We gotta do That's the other punk song. Let's do it.
0: I mean, we don't have to do it. I, I no. Just it's wanted good. To mention- they do
1: the punk thing really, really well. They've always done it really, really well. It just sounds so effortless when they do it.
0: Yeah. I, it's I like a really band go-
1: that, that started as a punk, like a punk band, and then like started transitioned. As started as a punk, and then transitioned to this, and like, yeah, let's do a punk song. And they just jump back into it like they never lost a step. That's what it sounds like. Oh, so man, good. Dude.
0: It's really, ca- that chorus too is really, really catchy. Gotta get away. Wait, no, wait. Yeah, yeah, that Yeah, that's yeah. Churchill Pissons, yeah.
1: And he has a good I, scream too in this one too.
0: Yeah, and the guitar tone. So the guitar tone, from from what I've read over the years, they didn't actually play this through an amp. They plugged this straight like into the monitor, straight into the board. So that's why it has that that crazy crunch guitar tone because it was not played through a proper amp or anything like that. And it was kind of like done like on a first take, and that's just what what we have here.
1: So good, just blow it out. They and that's really what it sounds like. It sounds like it's blown out. <laughs> just turn up as loud as you <sighs> fucking can because the computer yeah. can take it. What
0: my favorite actually my favorite line on this entire record is on this song and it's the line. Just because you're paranoid. paranoid. Doesn't mean that they're,
2: not after,
1: mean you. they're not after you. It's
0: the, it's that that drum roll too back in and then the pause the silence and then back into the chorus. Oh, <laughs> That's such a cool line dude, too. Just so because you're funny. paranoid. Don't mean they're not after you. Oh, it's I love that. I've always loved that line. <laughs> it's great. And then the, the beginning, you know, it starts out with with Chris. He was kind of goofing around in the studio. Come on, people now, smile on your brother. Everybody get together right now. And then that super distorted just fucking guitar and bass come in. Oh man, this is a wild song, front to back.
1: Have you have you yeah. heard that 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 Youngblood song? That's that's what it's it's taken from. Youngblood oh yeah yeah it was taken from like from the 60s right well, the, the, the the artist is called the Youngbloods and the song is called Get Together I think that's from like their first album like early or mid to late 60s but I have the album on vinyls and I just if you heard the song I know you've heard the song like if you heard the actual Youngblood song I know probably. you would recognize it
0: I probably I probably would
1: it's so silly but it's good I like it
0: <laughs> but this song is a fucking banger It is a banger. Um, It's fantastic. You hate it because it's a punk song, but
1: there's only one song on here that I would be okay with like completely erasing. What is it? It's probably the Lounge Act. No, it's Endless Nameless.
0: Oh well that's a hidden track. It's not And it's not even on my vinyls.
1: Yeah, it's not on mine either. So I'm completely happy with it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's move on. Let, Let let's wrap it up. Let's move on to or let's move on to something in the way and then wrap it up and rate this record. So something in the way. The last song. This is my twelve B. I still love this song. This is my
1: twelve B too. Okay, <laughs> but I think it's like one of the most important songs on the album. I agree. What, what do you got on it? I did. I, I I so I I do like the unplugged one better. Um, I wish this studio one didn't have the cello. I just I just I think it's too much. Don't want it. It's a bit cheesy. I I like the way he says like yeah after after the something in the way part. It sounds like he's just. Casually responding to a question like "Yeah," somebody (laughs) asked you like "Yeah," I love that. (laughs) And then I was like, kind of like reading more into it, and and it it was hard for everyone to track this song because Kurt kind of fucked it up always. And Mm -hmm. Kurt had this this idea in his mind to have this band behind it, and it just it wasn't working. It sounded like shit. It just it just wasn't working. So he he went with Butch into the uh, the the booth. And he's like, yeah, dude, check this out. He pulled out a 12-string guitar, which like, I guess five of the strings were nylon strings, and the other, and they weren't even tuned, and the guitar sounded like shit. And he started playing this, and as as Laura would have it, Butch mic'd it up and, and was like, yeah, dude, let's use this one. But because, no. because it was like an acoustic thing, Kurt couldn't keep the tempo properly. So when they had the celloist come in, cellist? Celloist? Is it celloist cellist. or cellist? Cellist. Or celloist. Is it celloist? It's- <laughs> So, no, it's. <laughs> I think it's celloist We'll ask uh, Chow Young Fat, I guess, what he thinks about that. What? Right? Isn't Chow Young Fat? Isn't that the guy's name? Chow Young Fat. What does that have to do with the cello? He's like a famous cello. Celloist.
0: Celloist. I thought he was an actor or a martial artist or something.
1: Am I thinking of somebody different? I think you're thinking of somebody different. Yeah. Who's Chow Young Fat? Was he like the? He's the he's, the an, he's like a martial arts guy. Actor. Yeah, I think so. Who is the fucking famous cellist? Celloist. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Yo Yo Ma, that was who it was. Okay, it was Yo Yo Ma. Close enough. Not really. <laughs> Not at all. One, one's a martial artist, one plays a celloist. But yeah, I, 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 I was reading that it was hard for everybody to kinda of like track the the, the song because Kirk can't fucking keep tempo. And the song speeds up and slows down as he's playing the acoustic guitar. So the cello the, the cello cellist coming in. Who you know is is a classically trained musician knows a lot about theory, and that's that's fucking hilarious. Is when you bring somebody in who's just DIY punk ethos Kurt with somebody who knows a fuck ton about music. You throw them together, and the guy who knows a fuck ton about music is like, dude, it's hard to fucking write with because so, you're all over the place.
0: So real quick, it wasn't something in the way. Yeah, it was. It was, it was Paulie the 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 guitar. The guitar you're talking about the five string guitar that was Polly
1: what no it was something in the way oh wait
0: no you're right yeah it was well, something in the way you're, no you're kind of right and so Polly was the same thing he bought he bought a five string guitar a Stella guitar and he used that on Polly as well and they he had a hard time keeping it in tune so they ended up having to duct tape the tuning pegs so it would stay in tune while they recorded Polly but they did you're right they did it. They did the same thing on because something, no, cause
1: something in, the way. in the way was a twelve-string guitar. It was five with, of the strings were nylon strings, yeah. strings, and it was out of tune. And that's when, because Kurt wanted to have the full band in something in the way, and it just wasn't working. And so that's why he went into the studio or into the booth with Butch and recorded it, and then they had the band do it later. And even Dave Grohl was like, "Dude, I can't like I can't fucking play the drums to so this. He's not keeping tempo properly. I, I don't know what to do." And bitches like, just do it this, this is the vocal track we have It's perfect Work around it And that's how great fucking Dave Grohl is And that's how great that celloist is Chow Young Fat
0: You're the worst
1: <laughs> Or Yo-Yo Ma I don't know
0: Who knows at this point
1: Yeah, Something oh, in the Way shit. Great song Something
0: in the Way, yeah Sucked Do it. you want to play it or do you want to wrap it up? do you want no, to do? You we wanna don't,
1: do? we don't need to play you don't we don't we, we don't play any of these songs to be honest it's one of those yeah, albums it's, it's our 12b
0: i mean every and everybody's heard this album too that's another thing but um at least you should okay, have so,
1: what at least you should have
0: well yeah you should have yeah exactly so yeah like we were talking about we're not going to talk about endless nameless or the other b-sides off this there are some great great songs great b-sides from this record and and live versions of all of a lot of these songs but um let's give our final thoughts on nevermind um i don't really want to talk about the cover it's iconic but then we have to get into the lawsuit and i just don't care enough about that right no it's I a don't weird care cover it's a weird cover in general and i just don't really want to talk about it um so yeah let's give our final thoughts on the record uh and then rate it Based off of our world famous three point rating system, where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album but give it a shot, and zero is the worst thing you've ever
1: heard. So what do you got? Go. This album is it's just one of those albums that like transcends a, a top tier three out of three category. This is this is something that is not just like a perfect album. This is something that like has changed the course of music history. This is something that that. That uh, remember that? Did you ever see that that uh, fucking SNL skit where th- that Voyager rocket they sent out into space? They put a bunch of music in there and like writings and literature and poems. And 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 uh, Steve Martin was like, "Oh yeah, and we've actually heard back from the aliens." And and, and in the in the the, the Voyager thing, they send a bunch of music. It was like Beethoven and Bach and Chuck Berry and Elvis and all this stuff, like Zeppelin. And they sent off into space in hopes that aliens would listen to it and and think of something. And Steve Martin was like, "Oh yeah, and the aliens have sent us back something. Here it is." And then it, like Time Magazine read, "Send more Chuck Berry." Like that's what the aliens had listened to. I'm like, "Oh fuck I'm, yeah, aliens love Chuck Berry." You never seen the skit? I've never even heard of this skit. Oh my god, you're the worst. No. Do you ever watch TV in your life? <laughs> Do you even know what a TV is? <laughs> I only watch Home Improvement. We all know that. Oh God, I know. Look it up. You're the worst. I'll send it to you after the pod. (laughs) But anyway, this is this is like one of those things. Like Chuck Berry's, like Johnny B. Good, dude. Like these things, these songs, these uh, all these pretty songs. Just they transcend being better than good. They're 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 not even they're on a different plane. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm on a plane. I, I can't I even compare it to like sport. Except for like me, than like the '98 Yankees, like some of these these sports things. I I can't I can't compare how great this album is to anything else because nothing else is as great as this album is in the music industry. This album is so important to music. It smells like Teen Spirit is so important to music that uh, it's 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 bigger. It's however big you think it is, it's bigger. It's bigger. Yeah,
0: yeah. I wouldn't. I would do. And, I would agree. And,
1: in that same mindset of where of where like our human brains can't quite fathom how much a billion is compared to a million when put into like seconds, like a million seconds is like a month or something like that, but a billion seconds is like thirty years. Like how our brains can't can't quite process that kind of information that's so big, that's so vast, that's so huge. Mm-hmm. That's like never mind, man. Our brains just can't quite process how big this is, how impactful this is to this fucking day. I I think to give this a perfect rating is is almost an understatement because this is this is so important. This is so important. This is more important than it even fucking knows it is. <laughs> but it's also really good, and so like, you get both of those things. And, and I don't know. I thought you would have rating. thought. I'm even no rating. five years five
0: years it's ago no you would have you would have just trashed this record. Oh, for absolutely. sure, absolutely trashed
1: for it for sure. But you've matured. You've matured. You've grown studs. up a bit. It, that, that's what right. I said when, when doing the vinyl thing. I, I've matured from the beginning stage of the vinyl collecting to now. I've grown. I've yeah. gone from the beginning stages to the end stages. You have stayed in the middle stage, which is fine. <laughs> if you like the middle stage, that's fine. That's fine. Who cares?
0: Uh, that is so it's wrong. Fine. That is it's so fine. wrong. That's it's also fine. why you have like 10 Rolling Stones records. Um, oh, Six, but that's fine. Uh, that's six too many. But uh, Okay, so... <laughs> so this is a beyond banger this is a beyond three so um with me i i agree with you i mean this is this is something that did change the music industry and change culture in general i mean everything changed like i was saying style fashion um movies tv everything changed with with the with grunge really i mean nirvana was the it's in the forefront. I mean, it's hard for me to to kind of just put this into words,
1: but they were. Nirvana the should be talked about in the same f- sentences like the Beatles. Like people love they the Beatles. I, I agree because of how they change music, and Nirvana's like the same fucking
0: way. Yeah, it's just people don't people don't want to compare anything to the Beatles because they feel like they are god tier. They feel like nothing could be better than the Beatles. But Nirvana were they? Dude, they were Elvis, w- Beatles. Nirvana. Yeah, they were definitely, they're so fucking important. And they aren't talked about enough for that. And it it sucks because, you know, like Michael Jackson, you know, his music is fine. It's fine pop music, but it wasn't that revolutionary. It's very popular, but it wasn't revolutionary like Nirvana's Nevermind was. Um, And again, you know, not only that, the music is fucking great. It's really, really great music. Like you throw on Thriller, there's a few good songs on there. Overall, it's a decent pop record. You throw on Nevermind, every song fucking hits you hard, in different ways, and that's it's something really remarkable. And also, a, a big album like Thriller that costs hundreds of thousands of do- hundreds of thousands of dollars to make. This costs, I think, maybe fifteen thousand or twenty thousand dollars to make. Trump so change. it's just, yeah, it's just nothing in the grand scheme of things. But um, but yeah, no, this this record is truly something special. It changed a lot of how i thought about music and felt about music and i became so fucking obsessed with nirvana when i discovered Nevermind. and um yeah dude this shape this record shaped everything for for my music my musical taste so um you can't give this anything lower than a perfect beyond banger it's just stupid Every one of their records is a three out of three
1: perfect album. I know. Even even giving this album a three out of three just seems too low. It's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair.
0: <laughs> it just does. It feels weird. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Even Incesticide. That's a perfect record oh, too. Well, oh, I don't know about that, oh, dude. You, shut the fuck up. You know it is. You know it's a perfect record. You're there are three. There are stunned. three
1: albums plus Unplugged for sure. Three out of three, if not more. Incesticide. Oh. oh.
0: Would you give it a two point nine?
1: I give you get a 2.9. I give you a 2.9. You're that guy.
0: You're that guy. All right. <laughs> Do we have anything else on On Nevermind? We're, we're good with grunge mm. season.
1: That's it. Grunge season officially over, baby. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm excited. Thank you, all Thank you all for listening. Next week, we're taking quite a turn into something uh, something pretty different. So um, stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Give us five stars. And that's it. That's all. Crystal Like I said, the the all of all five of these albums are are interchangeable, and it's totally based off of my mood. And I I had the most fun. I most fun listening <laughs> to Incest Society. It's such a fucking week. good.
1: What? <laughs> so your mood must have been stupid this week. Then <laughs> stupid rankings.
0: <laughs> I heard you clicking. Territorial Okay, territorial territorial pissings is my five. And then what's breed? Breed is my four. <laughs> You're
1: such a (laughs) you're peepee you're peepee. Hey, Drainey's in there, right? Drainey's in there. God, you're predictable and pathetic. That's what you are. Yeah, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, predictable and pathetic. You're you're one dimensional. You're you're fucking you're a piece of paper instead of like a cube. Why though? But why? Why Why? are you a piece of paper? Because you're predictable. (laughs) All those songs are very very similar. All those songs are just basically the punk songs of the album. You essentially just chose the punk songs songs of the albums. But come on, dude, these, it's these melodies. The melodies on this album is what makes this album. And I know we can pretend, I know you can pretend, like, stay away's your favorite and territorial pissings and breathe. All the punk songs are my favorite. But, like, fuck off, dude. You listen to this album, you listen to Nirvana because of Kurt and his melodies.